This is the Strength Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. Okay, Mr. Bain. What's up? Here we are, episode 31. 31. Maybe we are just cranking through these, man. And we've got, uh, what, two extras out as of now? Or maybe three by the we've, time this publishes? we published? got three out as of now. Actually, it'll be four by the time this one drops. Okay, sure. Because we're dropping the, the next one technically tomorrow. Yeah, sometime soon, we hope. Yeah, yeah. we got an interview with Bob Merck. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. We're going to talk about uh, today the republishing of the Ten Commandments of Powerlifting. After we talked about the original Ten Commandments yeah, of Powerlifting. We talked about the book and reviewed it. Um, you know, We're going to chat with Howard Pendrose today about the process that he went through republishing, which mm-hmm. I think is, you know, it's not the longest or the most intricate story in the world. Right. It's not a Inzer v. Franz. No, it's not. But it's still interesting nonetheless. It, it kind of gives you a, a look into the man, Ernie Franz. And I, I think his, it's a good setup for, you know... For some other big stuff, too. Yeah, no doubt. So any any loose ends to, to tie up from past episodes, Bane? Uh, you know, nothing crazy, man. Like I said, I, I've I've been getting... It's been kind of fun, actually. I've been connecting with a lot of people, either through the Strength and Anger Instagram page or, or personally. Uh, folks are really liking the extra episodes. Uh, you know, I think... You, you and I both talked about the trigger warning episode has been going great. Uh, yeah, he's got a pretty good following, yeah. Oliveira. So I think uh, the fact that... Again, I'm maybe getting better at my naming because I think if I'd, again, if I'd put get the clickbait on there, Anthony Oliveira interview, I don't know if it would have done as well as trigger warning conjugate crossover. Right, right, and so, so yeah, so a lot of good feedback there, and yeah, we're we're getting some traction uh, outside the U.S., which is kind of cool. So over yeah, we had UK, a guy from the U.K. that messaged us, huh? Yeah, and then he and I had a, like a solid conversation, and uh, I guess I'll, I'll make the announcement as of now. Uh, I am planning on basically as soon as the WPO is over, Nick and I are going to jump on a plane the next morning and we are flying over to the UK and we're going to be at body power. And I'll actually be the platform manager at body power UK. Wow. Uh, yeah. For British nationals. So I'm very I think excited. It's for also that. the Europeans at this point. Uh, it is. Yeah. So I'm very, very excited for that. Uh, just to kind of bring that same energy. I bring to the WPO, uh, over there and be a little different atmosphere. Cause I got to have a huge, like four platform. Uh, me going on. Wow. So not sure how that's all going to work, but, uh, you know, I talked with Emma and uh, they said, uh, you know, they'd love to have me over. I said, let's do it. So uh, as things are, you know, very up in the air when it comes to AWPC Worlds and whatever's going to happen that, I just kind of made the executive decision that uh, that's when I'll be going over to Europe is uh, for body power. So. Okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but, you know, talked about that, but just, you know, in engaging with a lot of people, it's been really, really fun to talk about the episodes and then planning out, you know, with you the next few episodes that we're doing. I think we got a lot of really exciting stuff coming up. We do. Um, yeah. The the trigger warning crossover episode doing well. The story behind Westside, the Michael Fahey oh, yeah. interview doing really well. The marathon. The marathon episode. Um, I'm a little behind. Uh, you know, homeschooling is not the easiest thing in the world. I'll talk about that a little bit yeah. in our next segment, but I'm just a little bit behind in general. Um, the goal was to do a Tuesday, Friday release. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're recording this on a Friday. I oh, know, Thursday. Thursday. Yes. And I just yeah. released. All, all the days are blurring together. Yeah, that's part of it, I think. Um, and I was not able to get the this original episode out until basically today. So we're almost right. you know, a couple days behind. Um but it is what it is. I mean, 
if nothing else, we're getting out content to people and we're getting some good positive feedback. Yep. And, and you know, the other thing too, is that we're, we're connecting. I think that's another important thing that, uh, it's helped a ton for me as I kind of know my schedule right now is Mondays and Thursdays we record. And then Tuesdays is kind of my free day to do whatever. And then Wednesdays and Fridays is when I'm training, uh, in, uh, you know, 316 barbell. Um, and so that's, that's to kind of help me with just kind of keeping, have a little bit of a schedule. Yeah. to some normalcy. Cause I know, I know how hard for is for a lot of people right now to keep that normalcy. So definitely. Um, other than that, Bane, what is going on? Uh, yeah. So training, as I mentioned, uh, we're decorating the garage. I'm actually really excited about this. So I, uh, decided to invest a little bit in decorating, uh, with some flags. So one of my favorite companies, uh, they do not sponsor us, but I would love to partner with them sometime is flex comics. Uh, basically they bring together the, the nerdy, uh, ness of, you know, pop culture and, uh, strength. And so I actually bought, uh, four banners from them. And then I also got a custom banner from Amazon. This says uh 316 barbell and the tagline under it is uh, stronger than the Rona. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah. And, uh, I think how dare you, sir? The best part is it was manufactured and it's being shipped from China, China. <laughs> so, yeah. So I got that, uh, like I said, that shipped, uh, last week, I actually just got today, got the four banners, um, which I'll be putting up in the garage, uh, tonight when I get home. Uh, so yeah, just gonna have some fun with that. And then obviously, uh, working, uh, still weird working from home and doing, doing my thing. I normally would be out on the road meeting face to face with clients and prospects, but it's not happening right now for obvious reasons. So. Yeah. You've talked a little bit about that Bane, but, uh, you're still able to do some sales obviously, even though it's all remotely are you doing it mostly on the phone are you doing like skype calls you doing zoom calls you doing facetime calls yeah do doing zoom Uh, i do a few phone calls uh you know this was actually fun i don't know if i mentioned this to you but uh so i actually closed the largest deal in company history last week Wow. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, it was very exciting. It was a three-year deal. It was really so is a big moment for me and for my boss you know he uh I don't say took a chance on me, man. I have the pedigree and whatnot, but anytime you bring in a new salesperson, it's always like, you know, a little scary, right? Uh, especially one that you have a history with already. And so, uh, kind of help validate him, which I think every, every executive needs is a good validation, uh, in a startup. And the guy that was, uh, the main point of contact had already found our podcast and was listening to it because he, he's into fitness and he, uh, he likes history and he saw, thought the history aspect of it was, was really cool. And he called me on the side one day. He's like, dude, are, are you part of the Strength and Anger podcast? <laughs> I said, yeah, it's me and my buddy Eric. Why? He's like, I haven't listened to you guys like since episode seven. Which is crazy because, I mean. And, he's we, big, and he lives in Georgia. It's just even wilder. Right. I mean, we don't have a huge listener base. So just the, mm-hmm. the small worldliness of that is just crazy to me. I, I thought it was very, very, very interesting. And then we also found out that I was a WPO hype man because he watched it on ESPN3. He just thought it was really cool that uh, powerlifting was on ESPN. And so, yeah, so we had this immediate connection very early on in the sales process. I'm pretty sure it helped uh, with the close. I but. mean, you know, I don't think you probably made the sale because you're into powerlifting because no, you're this podcast. No. but. But it helped. It helped with. Connecting. I mean, but a lot of a lot of people will talk about sales. As you are essentially, you're selling. You're not just selling the service, the product. You're selling you oh, as, as part of the company. Hundred percent. You and and if somebody has a personal connection with you, yeah. or if you have a personal connection with somebody, you're more likely to buy from them. Yeah. I mean, if you like a salesman at a car dealership that you really have a connection with, and they really yep. seem like they're not just trying to take your money and put you in an expensive car you don't need. They're they're trying to. They are, by the way. Yeah, I mean, but if it seems, <laughs> but if it seems yes. like they're trying yes. to help you, yes. Um, 
My my, my grandfather to buy from them. My grandfather always explained to me that all things being equal, people do business with friends. All things being unequal, people still do business with friends. I like that. Yeah. It's an axiom. It, it is. So Stone, what's going on with you? So I mentioned it. I mean, homeschool ain't easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been one that has said, like, elementary school teachers have it easy. Um, my my they mom. Don't. They've got 30 little assholes running around. <laughs> I mean, I'm just doing one who I would say is a relatively well-behaved kid and mm-hmm. is, you know, probably above average intelligence, um, generally wants to learn, generally wants to work hard. F- fairly above average energy as well. Yeah, exactly. That's probably doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt. Um or it doesn't help maybe when you're stuck inside in a three-bedroom condo. Right. Um, but, yeah, homeschooling ain't easy. I don't at any point want to become a a regular elementary school teacher. I would be happy to go back and be an elementary school PE teacher, which sure. I have a degree in. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. But, you know, teaching – like, I don't, I don't teach elementary school math. Like, I don't know right. how to teach it, and it's just – and I hate story. I hated story problems as a kid, and that's like all they're fucking assigning to my. Oh son. my god! It's like all story problems. Bogus. Um, and I get it. That's part of common core math gets a bad rap. Right. Um, and I'm not saying I like it, but I do understand what they're trying to do with some of the things. What they're trying to do is they're trying to teach kids the logic behind math. Because what is math? I mean, it's memorization usually. Well, but what is math as a as a, a oh, broader as, a, as, an old, as a broader as a, a broader conceptual concept? Sure. It's it's a, it's a way for us to organize things and to right. look at things. You know, we talk about the analytics. I mean, yes. that's that's literally using math. It is. And so they're trying to get you know what's the logic behind you know all these things in math and not just rote memorization. I, I but I, I personally there's probably somewhere in the middle that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You can use all your your new math, all your common core math, you know, ways of teaching things. At the end of the day, you know, if I tell my son or ask my son, what is five plus seven? He should just be able to know that off the top of his head. Like, sure, you could understand. fifty-seven. He could understand the concept <laughs> behind that. But at a certain point, you do just need to know certain things sure. know, right off the, the top. Yep. So homeschooling is not easy. It's prevented me from getting a lot of other work done because as soon as I start to do some other kind of work, like for the strength anger podcast, yes, my son's like, I don't know how to do this problem. And just like that. Yeah. Basically his voice still high. He hasn't, it'll be interesting. I wonder if he'll have a voice. Have we talked about my early voice change before? No. So I think my voice changed about fifth grade, maybe sixth grade, like really early, like well before most of my friends. Interesting. Because you didn't grow very tall. No, I was eh, probably always average to below average. Mm-hmm. In middle school, I was more average and then just stopped growing. I, I specifically remember we did some kind of video in uh, Spanish class in seventh grade. Okay. And so this is how I know that it was fifth, sixth grade that my voice changed because it wasn't that year. It was prior to that year. Right. I'm videotaping with like this like over-the-shoulder camcorder yes, of my dad. Yes, And... I, it was some kind of like music video that we did. And so like we were taking videos of ourselves dunking on this low rim. Right. So it was like an NBA jam kind of like a dunk video thing. <laughs> and somehow. It's NBA yam. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> and I remember watching back the video years later and like you can hear all my friends talking and they're like Mickey Mouse high voice. And then you can like hear a little me, crack every now and then. Right. And then you can hear me on the camera say, guys, guys, none of that's good. We're going to have to do all that. over." And I'm like, wow. In seventh grade, everyone else is talking in their Mickey mouse voice. And that's I have awesome. this like deep, deep voice. So my voice changed really early. Uh, my brother's boss yeah. called and I, I put boss in 
you know, quotations. Supervisor it, of some sort. It was just a guy that hired my brother for odd jobs, basically. Okay. Like, he had a big piece of property. I think he had a business. My brother, I think you might have told me this. Or might have even done it on yes. one of the previous episodes. Yeah, I, I, it's possible I did. I'll tell it again. Cause yeah, it's please. Good, it's, cause it's it is good, funny. Because it it's a good story, and it relates to my voice changing so early. Um, so he gets on the phone, my brother's boss, who he did, like, landscaping and odd yeah. jobs for. And my brother had called in that day to go to Six Flags instead of going to work. <laughs> And so this guy, this guy goes into a diatribe. He says, you know, is is Kenneth there? No, he's not there. I think just from my voice, he assumed that I was David, my dad. And so he just started going in and like saying how, you know, kids these days and how they don't work hard and told me that my son was terminated. And like, I'm like maybe 10 or 11. So I'm not going (laughs) to, I'm not going to like say anything. I'm not going to stop him. I'm not going to stop him because again, I'm a (laughs) 10, 11 year old kid. You know, I know you work your ass off and I'm like. Wait, that's kind of the point when I realized, like, oh, he thinks I'm dad. Because he was going off. I'm like, why is he going off to me? Like, I'm the younger brother. I'm four years younger. Yeah. So Ken maybe 15. I'm 11. And so Ken's, you know, got some kind of, like, odd landscaping job or something like that. He's like, you know, I know you work your ass off. And, you know, kids aren't supposed to call back like this. And you know what? He is terminated. I'm like, Jesus. Okay. And he's like, you know, you can tell him to call me, but he is, he is done. By the way, he also hired my brother back like, immediately, like two days later. Yeah. But I, when my brother, when my dad and brother came home, I think when one of them came home, I'm like, um, Ken's boss called and I think he, I think he fired him to me. <laughs> and my dad had me tell him the whole story. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he thought I was you. <laughs> so, anyways, we're going off on a way tangent. Well, no, now. it's it's funny because my dad and I have the same name. Sure, Robert. You, you've told this before, yeah. Yes, yeah, so they'll call and look for Robert. And, oh Bain. yeah, and so. I would know, especially if it was like, you know, you figure out your, your financial situation pretty early when you're a kid. And it's like, okay, we had bill, collect, bill collectors calling for walks. My dad was out of work. And so I'd, you know, I'd take the call because my voice has always been deeper. Sure. Even when I was a kid. And obviously now I've got that radio voice and the face for it. And, and the COVID beard for it. That's right, baby. Mm-hmm. It's in three shades, by the way. So you see like the, the salt and pepper in there. It's got the gray. And then it's red up here. And then it's super dark underneath. I'm looking for the red. I'm looking for the Nordic Viking beard. It's not like Nordic red, but it's definitely a, a okay. you know, auburn shade up here. I also did shave a couple days ago, so it's not quite as thick uh, up okay. top. Okay. So trying, trying to get some shape in this thing. Yeah, sure. So it's really interesting. I don't know much about beer culture, so I'm trying to just learn this all on the fly. But Call up Bob Merck, who we told the other day. Exactly. Superior beard. Uh, um, also, uh, Crystal Fav, great beard. Maybe another potential person we could interview. Cannot get for more than I have been trying to okay. make that happen. Okay. Uh, but anyway. Anyway, yeah. huge tangent there. Stone. Yeah, I'll, I'll finish what else is going on. This will be real short. Yeah. Um, although it's a very long article. Yeah, I, it I, is. You did You did a lot of work on this one. I put a, a lot of work, probably as much research and work as I, I, I spent basically all day writing a blog right. detailing the Inzer versus Friends lawsuit. If you've listened to our episode, I think it's still worth reading. It's not a long read. It, it, mm-hmm. It's it's a decently long blog, um, but I think that it more succinctly lays out what happened in the lawsuit yeah. than our episode. Our episode, we kind of talked more about you know the implications and kind of some of the backstories. This lays it out in a, I would say, a fairly succinct timeline, yeah. um, and it's something that I wanted to lay out. I think I mentioned a previous it's episode. A, it's a good companion to the episode. It, it really is. is. I, I put out another blog a couple weeks prior where I did the front versus IPF lawsuit. And yeah. th- those two blogs really fit well together because they are intermingled. 
Correct, correct. I think those are, it, it continues building on this, you know, kind of Frond legacy, you know, piece that we've been doing, you know, with everything with the Ten Commandments. And uh, I'm sure there'll be, you know, we could maybe have Howard do a blog on, on a little bit more of what went into the republishing and all that. Sure. Uh, and then obviously the the bigger project that uh, that we'll talk about with Howard a little little later uh, yeah, on the yeah, episode. Yeah. So. So, Bane, uh, other than that, what is great? You, you probably saw this on the notes and were like, what the hell is he talking about? I, I, yeah, I still don't know what you're talking about. So, Stanley Tucci is a one of me and my wife's favorite actors. Uh, if you're familiar with anything he's done, he's been in uh, tons of movies. Uh, the Hunger Games, he was in uh, Devil Wears Prada, he was in some of the Transformers movies. Uh, he was in the first Captain America. Okay, so, that I've seen. So, what, what character does he play in the first Captain He plays the uh, German doctor. That actually puts the super serum into. Oh, Captain so like the father of Captain America, basically. Captain. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So he's he's the the German scientist. So, uh, so yeah, great actor, and he's he's always plays these super fun characters. And so my wife and I were watching The Core, where he plays kind of a big douchebag. Uh, just I was watching a bunch of apocalypse movies, and uh, whether it was you know outbreak or or uh pandemic or 28 days later and i was watching a bunch of those and i watched the core because that's another one that i actually really enjoyed uh you know when it came out and she's like we should just do a stanley tucci marathon so that's what we've been doing for the last like five days it's just watching nothing but his movies it's just we watch one or two each night after the kids go to bed and and you don't fall asleep after the first one i'm otherwise occupied but no i do not fall asleep uh, okay yeah but yeah, so Stanley Tucci is great, and his movies are awesome, and he he's just hilarious. And by the way, if you've never seen Devil Wears Prada, highly, highly recommend watching that. Okay. It is hysterical. So anyway, Stone, what's great? So I got actually two this week, and I, I couldn't think of anything, because I was maybe in not the best mental state when I started writing these, uh, mm-hmm. these notes, but I actually thought of two great things. Yeah. Um, the first is that... Despite the shutdown and despite the, my anger and, and Howard's anger, which we'll go into Well, soon, you'll see some of that in a bit. <laughs> um, on, you know, the continued shutdown of Illinois, um, 2XL is in a decent place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were able to secure some funding. We were able to work a couple things. Um, you know, who knows what will happen? I'm not going to put a stamp and guarantee that we will reopen when this is all over. I think we will. I believe yeah, I'm very hopeful. Right. I would say I'm very hopeful, depending on what happens. I mean, at this point, who knows? But uh, we're in a pretty good place despite the shutdown, which is when I when I look at everything you know, as a whole is good because we could, considering that we just moved and you know we're in this new, bigger location mm-hmm. that we kind of extended out and considering that we were in a, a very you know, good situation at our old location, mm-hmm. which... I'm sure nothing is going to happen in that location right now. Nope. Because, and if you've ever been to the old 2XL, it was in the, basically the side parking lot of Yorktown Mall and an old kind of abandoned strip mall. And it was always known that we were not going to stay there long term and it eventually was going to be redeveloped. Mm -hmm. And we got word at the end of, actually fall last year, that that was finally going to be sold and redeveloped. Wrong. And this spring, right. actually right about now, yeah. they were supposed to have been knocking the building down and starting to build a, like a huge, giant apartment building. Right. And yeah. I would say that's probably not going to happen. So had the COVID hit six months earlier, yeah. we probably would still be on our old location. And, you know, again, considering everything, we're, we're in a decent position, I guess, is what I was uh, getting at there. Yeah. No, yeah. I think you guys are. I think you guys are positioned well. You, you, you know, 
you and Howard, I think you think about things very well and, and when it comes to the business and I don't think you make a lot of moves just willy nilly. It's, you know, it's very well thought out and yeah. you know, is it going to be tough? Yeah. It's going to be tough for everybody. It's this, this whole thing sucks. Uh, but I think two XL is positioned when, when the Illinois economy reopens in the hostage situation, I mean the, the shutdown is done. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys will be doing very well. We'll, we'll be doing very yeah. well. The only thing that really bothers me is the ambiguity. I wish I could wrap my hands around it, but that's just uh, I'll I'll have a, a diatribe at the end of this episode for for that. Okay. Yeah. Good. Uh, another really good thing that actually event or originally we were going to throw a party, and we still will. Yes. We were going to throw a party when we were done. Is that Jackie was finally mm-hmm. able to pay off all her student loans. Fuck yeah, man. That is great. I'm happy for you guys. She is done. Um, it kind of got to a point where we just said, you know what? Uh, you know, stimulus check and everything. Some extra cash. So you've been stimulated? Yeah. I would say I'm stimulated that Jackie's student loans are paid off. <laughs> so we, we just said, let's take some extra cash we have left. At this point, getting any kind of rate of return on your money, um, the mm-hmm. interest rate was the highest interest rate loan we had out right so the rate of return on that is you know a hundred percent known yeah so it's like you know what we're not going anywhere right now you know we kind of been saving for a down payment on a house Mm -hmm. that ain't happening anytime right now with everything going on so let's take that off our plate Mm -hmm. and this the monthly savings that we can put back towards that so that's a that's a good one that's exciting man seriously i'm really happy for you guys it's awesome because that is a big you know nick and i are not quite done with ours uh, we could, yeah, Jackie's know. a little older than all of the rest of us then. Correct. She's a little more seasoned. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we, that, that is something we definitely, other than our house, it's the biggest piece of anything that we owe to anybody. Right? Yeah. No. So let's, uh, let's go into our way back machine. Yeah. Uh, Bane and something we haven't done. I think at least last week or the week before we didn't, uh, we didn't go over what we were doing. I should add this to the notes, but yeah, we what, do. We do got to do that. What were you doing in June two thousand four? June two thousand four. <laughs> I can tell you what I was doing on June twelfth two thousand four. I took my son to my parents' house, and my mm-hmm. wife and I went out for her twenty first birthday. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember much of that night. Nor does Nick. Uh, I do remember that we partied with. A large number of the women's soccer team from Mount Mercy. <laughs> Don't know why. Other than they, they were all excited that I finally settled down. Uh, but yeah, so we we partied really hard and celebrated Nick turning 21 because my 21st birthday, she was pregnant and was our DD. Okay. Yeah. Cause, you Are know, you a year older than? Yeah, I'm a year, I'm a year older. Okay. So next birthday is uh, is June 12th, so she'll be 37 here in, uh, in a few, man, God, seven weeks. Um, yep. Actually, yeah. So, so her birthday, as of now, the plan is Lily and I fly to Louisiana for uh, nationals, and Nick is uh, flying to LA that same day, actually, about the same time uh, for her birthday with her friends. Okay. We will see if that happens. Yeah. So, anyway, but yeah, that's what we were doing. What were you doing? So, June 2004, I was running the very first Chicago Summer Bash. Wow. Uh, at. Uh, at the Waukegan Powerhouse Gym. Oh, yeah. That's what you had. Um, that was the worst deal ever. Yeah, yeah. The worst deal ever. <laughs> um, Jack and I had just started dating wow. about three months prior. Wow. Um, I was in college. Mm-hmm. I ran my first meet in college with basically no money mm-hmm. um, and no equipment. Um, and knowing what I know now, I don't know that I would have done it, which is it's, – it's always funny how things work in life. But if I would known everything about knowing – 
about running meets now. I don't know if I ever want to run that first meet. Right. So yeah, you don't know what you don't know, man. That's a hundred percent true. <laughs> so let's go to the powerlifting USA from June yeah, two thousand four. Well, more importantly, what was happening in powerlifting? Here we go. In We've 2004. got Matt Lamarck, who is not a guy I'm familiar with. It's a Lamarque. <laughs> okay, it's French. He did. I mean, a big bench seven hundred five at two twenty. I didn't look at that in the all time list, but sure. uh, I mean, it's probably decently up there. Um, he is wearing a denim bench shirt, if you yeah. if you noted, um, which uh, was. 2004 was probably about the time that denim was starting to go out of favor. Sure. Um, you know, Merck talked a lot about Metal Militia, which is a a gym and a training system we haven't talked much on. Yeah. Um, man, we should honestly, it might be honestly worth doing another powerlifting program review and including them as one of them mm-hmm. because their their bench system is pretty unique. I mean, super high volume. Like Sure. High, high, like kill you volume basically, and twice a week, like one high boards day, and it's all based around shirted benching, right? You know, one day in your shirt, one raw day, you know, very high boards. I, I don't think I could do the program justice off the top of my head, but um, they were big on the denim bench shirt, right? Um, we had I mean, it does, it looks like a dark pair of blue jeans. I'm just looking at it right now. Yeah, I've got a whole bunch of them in the back that uh, Bill Busby gave me. Nice, if anybody's in the 181, 198 range, I could let them take a, take a run. Yeah, I, I might have one or two you might be able to fit you. Yeah. Um, we had Nick Busick, who is a guy I'm surprised we haven't talked about yet. He's a former WWE wrestler okay. for a short time. Nice. Um, and powerlifter, former powerlifter. Mm-hmm. In this particular uh, issue, he had a article called Nick Busick's ne- Next Move. Mm-hmm. He ran the Mountaineer Cup, which was kind of I the... That was West Virginia, right? It was in various places. Okay. It wasn't always in West Virginia. In fact, I think he was. I think, I think this particular one they were talking about in here was supposed to be in Reno. Okay. Um, and I think it's very he, far away, ways away from the Mountaineers. Yeah. Yes, I I understand. <laughs> and, and I think he eventually had, you know, uh, aspirations on being in Vegas. Got it. And the reason was one of the no. So Nick Busick worked with the USPF, mm-hmm. um, which at the time was kind of the non-tested single ply organization. You know, a competitor to the APF, the multi-ply mm-hmm. non-tested organization, and then you also had the USAPL, which was the tested single ply. Right. So he ran the Mountaineer Cup, which was a pro meet, a cash meet. Okay. And. It was kind of the alternative to the WPO at the time. So the WPO was big multiply show. USPF was running, well, with Busick was running the Mountaineer Cup. Okay. You know, it was interesting. He's talking in this one about the Mountaineer Cup <laughs> 6, which is going to take place in August 2004. Wow. And one of his big concepts, and it, it kind of goes back to, and he didn't talk about this as much in here, mm-hmm. but I remember him previous writings and forum posts, he really wanted to get gambling involved in powerlifting. He felt... That was the way to get money in the sport, which there's some logic to that. Very possible, yeah. And he wanted 15 two-man teams. And so he wanted this team concept with the Mountaineer Cup. His idea was twofold. A, to have a draft so Hmm. that, you know, people would draft. And the people would be some kind of corporate sponsor. So let's say Inzer or let's say... Pioneer. Pioneer. Or, well, yeah. They weren't around back then. But, but whomever. Right. Yeah. Flex Comics. They could yep. draft two athletes to be on their two-man team. Um, and he had the, the teams laid out in there. Brian Sider's one of them in there. Um, 
Ed Cohn famously injured himself at a Mountaineer Cup meet. I can't remember which one it was. Was that when he blew his knee out? Yes, yeah. yes. And that was at a Mountaineer Cup meet. I, I specific. It was around this time frame. I can't that's, remember exactly. That's when the that injury that he references in Westside vs. the World, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That then Louis sent him like they, uh, a like, bunch of stuff right afterwards. Like even before his sponsor sent him anything. Right. Right. But he had this kind of like two man team concept, which is I have to say it's at least interesting. It, yeah, it does sound really interesting. Just to to have a it's it's a unique take on a traditional meat structure. And it was based around coefficients, mm-hmm. just like the WPO. So there, yep. there's there's. I don't know that I would want to do that, but like it's let's say the WPO wanted to do it, you know, you you draft a male and female. Yeah, I mean, they're, you they're, could theori- theoretically do that, or you could have gyms draft. Like, I mean, there, there's potentially some merit to it, right? And I think again, what he was looking at was how do you make this a more viewer friendly, you know, sport, and right. how do you get corporations involved, you know? Yeah, because because uh, that's where how it do you grows. Get, you're right. How do you get money? Because the only way that you get money in the sport is not from running of the meat that no. can support the meat but you need to get despite the lifter math right you need corporations involved to, to throw right. money in there so right. it was an interesting concept um this was talking about the mountaineer cup six um from looking online it appeared the mountaineer cup seven was the last one in 2005 okay. i don't exactly know what happened i know that nick bully Busick mm-hmm. has since passed um he was one that uh was you know pretty active online back in the day in the, the forum days and was pretty well-spoken. Sure. He did have some succinct thoughts. I think at the end that, that the two-man team concept and the draft and the corporations never really came through. Gotcha. But it's an interesting concept. I Yeah, I would love to, to dig into that more and uh, just offline and, and really understand it more because I, I think that just, it just sounds neat. So we've also got the men's all-time greatest powerlifter rankings. And this is Herb Glossbrenner. This is before mm-hmm. he came up with the Glossbrenner formula. Okay. Um, he used the Wilkes and Malone and averaged them. So he didn't use... So, so what's what's the Malone? I know this is a different way to score, but how, how does it differ from the Wilkes? I, uh, I, that I don't know. It's just an older formula. Got it. Okay. So uh, let's see. Number one was Sergei Fedonovsky. Uh, this is an IPF lister. Yeah. he Dude, he is a stud. Mm-hmm. I, I've actually followed him on Instagram for probably the last, the last two and a half years. Like Body weight 51.75, total 670 kilos. Yeah, he's totaled almost 800 kilos uh, currently at the World Games. He is He's a, a very, very good lifter. Number two was Ed Cohn. Or excuse me, not Ed Cohn. Gary Frank was number two. Okay. Uh, Andrek Stanaskis. Oh, boy. These sound made up. Yeah, this is another IPF lifter. Then you go to some names we'll know a little bit more. Ed Cohn was number four. There you go. Steve Goggins, a guy we haven't talked about, but a big WPO oh, yeah. lifter, number, yeah. number five. Jesse Kellum, number six. Ron mm-hmm. Palmer, number seven. There's a guy we could do an episode on. If we want to do one like uh, like Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. I don't know. Have you watched any of those? Uh, I have not watched. Uh, was it uh, After the Mat or whatever it is? Yes, Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, I haven't watched those yet. Yeah, they're on Vice. Um, you can maybe find them on the interwebs and other places. I think they're on Netflix right now. Really? Okay. There's there's, there's one on Netflix that was like... Sure. Well, the, the big one was the one on Chris Benoit. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to do one like that where you're talking about you know crime, Ron Palmer would be one to talk about there. Interesting. Um, on the women's side, you've got number one, no surprise, Becca Swanson. Yep, big uh, Becca. You've got Yeah, you've got Amy Weisberger. Yes. You've got... An IPF lifter, Marina Kudinova. 
You've got Kara Bohegian, another okay. lifter we've talked about, mm-hmm. and then it's a lot of IPF lifters of names I have would have a lot of trouble pronouncing after that. Wait, a lot of syllables in there, right. a lot of consonants. So, so interesting. This is before Hur came up with the Glossbender formula. He did kind of like a combined Wilkes Malone. Mm-hmm. Which is it? It's interesting because he didn't use the Reschel. I know he didn't like the Reschel, which is the old APF formula. Okay. Um, we had an interesting article from our guy Louis. Delayed transformation. And here's what I thought was the most interesting about this article. The word in there, deload. <gasps> so deload has been around longer than 531, that's for sure. Yeah. It's certainly something that Westside's been talking about. Um, delayed transformation is basically when you do a circumax phase. Okay. At least according to this article, that's when I was trying to get Anthony to go a little bit more into it. Cause yeah. I still don't quite understand it. Mm-hmm. I've seen it, but maybe I need, would need someone to really lay it out for me. Sure. Or maybe I'm overthinking it, but in this case, maybe, maybe we just take him to dinner and have him really get down on the, uh, the WPO. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but we had, it was a three week, really super heavy band tension cycle, okay. but on your speed day. Day. But it really becomes almost like a max effort, triple-double day. Okay. And then he said, uh, I think it was Chuck Volgopol, who you know has a high level of conditioning, and he'd mm-hmm. take a two-week deload with his third week then being the meet. So gotcha. you're doing the circa max phase, you know, starting, it sounds like, six weeks out, and then you're doing it six, five, four, mm-hmm. three, two. You know, right. you're doing your, your deload, and right. then, then you got your meet interesting so interesting stuff but it basically talked about that how sometimes you know in order to achieve the best results at the meet if you're doing circa max which again i i can't say i 100 percent understand yet mm-hmm. if bob merck or somebody else smarter or anthony oliveria wants to add us and really explain circa max to us yeah um but the idea is that sometimes there'll be a delay in the effect of that you almost need just like they do in any other sport you need that that rest that period. taper yeah, before yeah, yeah. you know your body can adapt to something like that sure. so interesting deload was mentioned back in 04 yeah. by louie um something that powerlifting and, usa and when you deload that actually helps you max out more something that powerlifting usa did um instead of doing a top 100 women teen and masters which they're just at this time in powerlifting right or wrong there wouldn't been enough mm-hmm. um they did a top they did a yearly top 20 women teen and masters okay and so it's pretty interesting. I mean, I'm not going to go through every weight class and, and age group there, There's here. one in particular that's pretty interesting to the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the women's side, uh, Becca Swanson, of course, at this time is, is on top of the yep. – she's on top of everything, 777 and, squat. And if you, if you listen and you don't know who Becca is, go go we'll look, look her up, up her, her up. numbers. Like, go look her up on powerlifting. Big Becca Swanson's her Instagram. She's a fun follow. The, this interesting. Woman, yeah. This woman is just out of this world. So you've got Becca Swanson, 777 squat, 424 bench, 633 deadlift, 1824 total. Gosh, not even uh, the higher Liz, powers yet. Liz Willett is number two with a 1459 total. So she is, you know, almost 400 pounds above her closest competition anywhere in, the, in that year. And, and you know, this is the, okay, it's top of the year. Okay. That's just, that's crazy. Uh, we got the top 20 teen, which features... Oddly, yours truly with a 515 squat at 181. It looks like it's about number 16 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Here's what's interesting. I've kept all my old meat results, especially back then. Yep. The squat they list is actually from 02. So I don't know if they just sent in the results late. But in between this meat that's mm-hmm. listed here, the 02 meat actually, mm-hmm. and 
this coming out in June, I'd done like four meets and I at least should have been, you know, again, I don't know when they had these dates with the total I had there, which was about 1366. I should have been about, eh, looks like 16, 17 in the total. Uh, my squat would have been up a little bit higher, more like, eh, it looks like about seven or eight. So not oh. that I really care, but I'm in there, but it's, it's just odd. One of the issues with the technology at this time is that, mm-hmm. you know, you send in the results. Sometimes meet directors don't send them in right away. Right. And so there's almost always a delay. But uh, right. there's the top 20 teenage, the top 20 masters. We've got a picture. Let's see if I'll put this up here. You may or may not be able to see it of our guy, Dick Zenzen. There he is. Who, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if I've heard about this. It says he returned from a serious injury. I mean, Dick's had a lot of injuries and a lot of lot of issues. But, sure. uh I don't exactly remember uh, what his injury was uh, at this time, so that's interesting. Um, you've got uh, – is there anybody else of note I could I could talk about in here? Dick Zenz is the one we know locally. Russ Barlow is a guy who ran uh, meets up in Maine for the APF. Yeah. He was actually best friends with Kieran Kidder growing up. Interesting. Um, and he's in here with the top total for the super heavyweighted masters did 2165 did an 870 squat wow. did a 777 deadlift um he had a super thick main accent um still does i assume yeah you would assume so yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was at with his son at uh, nationals last year apf nationals in uh in south carolina oh yeah i think i yeah. do remember talking he, about he judged at the meet we referenced a couple weeks ago that yeah, that, yeah, yeah. uh awpc worlds because i remember him calling the bar loaded right that thick main accent <laughs> being on there um but no top 100s on this this issue just the top 20 list sure um did you see the the picture i sent you of the the west side advertisement yeah i started digging into that uh we'll probably post those uh as part of the but uh the, the post for this the, episode the two that i thought were interesting were two that like we talked about louie and ernie kind of mm-hmm. having like this like genius of them yes and donnie thompson were like you'll have a thousand ideas and like three four five of them will be just absolutely 100 percent genius straight money you know the reverse hyper i yeah. mean probably probably in and of itself has made louis millions of dollars yep um you know using bands using chains um the tread sled is one that's pretty interesting that's on there yeah for um, a while um, he sold like is basically like a self-propelled sled that like you know that you had resist- walk on, yeah. Yeah, you walk on, had resistance to it, kind of like Sled Dragon. You could attach bands to yourself. Yeah. And then at one point, he basically just sold, like, a treadmill with no engine in it, like a regular-looking treadmill with no engine, and then had, like, an attachment like that on the back right. that you could attach bands to. Um, I haven't seen that one in a long time. I wonder if that'll ever make a, a comeback. And the plyo swing is one that just... Yeah, what, what is this? I'm looking at this thing. This thing looks like a... There's a video, device. if you search our girl, Laura Phelps, who we're going to interview next week, there's a video of her using the plyo swing. I've okay. never I've never seen a plyo swing. I've only seen videos of it. I'm told there was. I mean, was. it looks like a car seat, like literally a seat from a car in there. I'll see if I could find a, a better picture of that and post it. But there's a video online of Laura Phelps using it. It's nice. basically like, you know, plyos in a seated position so then, like, you don't have to actually jump. So Interesting. I thinks that's the idea. but I, And maybe it's a great thing. It was like... Even at this time, it was like three, four thousand dollars. It was a giant piece of equipment. Um, yeah, it looks. That was one where I was like, back in those days, I was like, "What is Louis even thinking?" <laughs> um, and I wanted to know, like, does any Westside gyms, like other than Westside, does anybody actually 
buy the plyo swing? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's crazy. Um, and then one that I just thought was interesting is that you had a, oh, what a rush. Oh, what a rush. Raw bench deadlift meet that was apparently honoring Road Warrior Hawk, who had yep. who had died in 2003. Mm-hmm. I think he was only about 45 years old. He was young. Dark Side of the Ring is going to be doing an, an episode on the Road Warriors, yeah. the, the Legion of Doom, um, later this uh this this season, you know, sometime mm. this spring, Michael Hegstrand is the uh, the legal name of Road Warrior Hawk. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a picture in there of a little kid with the Road Warriors, mm-hmm. and I guess it wouldn't be from the meet because you know Road he Warrior was, Hawk had gone, died. Yeah. So I, maybe they sent an old picture. It was a very small meet, like like a dozen or less lifters. Wow! Um, and, it, and it was out in California, and I know. I believe the Road Warriors are from Minnesota. There's I'm a pretty sure, yeah, they're from the Midwest. Yeah, the, a ton of wrestlers are from Minnesota. Yeah, um, you know, Mister Perfect. Yeah, uh, Barry Darsaw, who was uh, well, the, the perfect the Henning family's all from there. Right. You had Rick Rude and yep. Mister Perfect went to school together. Yeah, the Road Warriors um, again. Uh, Barry Darsaw, who was Dem- uh, uh, Le- Lesnar's from. I know it was school there, but he's from there as well. Yeah. So a little more. Barry more uh, it doesn't matter who all well the yeah. wrestlers are, but one nonetheless. I just I just thought that was interesting. You got Road Warrior Hawk, yeah, and a, and a small little meet honoring him out in California. That's wild. Kind of like that that you know that little FBI bench yeah. meet we talked about last week. Again, basically anybody could send in results to Parliament yeah. USA. In fact, this issue is full of sunlight power meet. Um, interesting. Uh, one of our local guys, uh, local Chicago police officer, Tommy Harrison, a much smaller and younger. Yeah. He's got an SLP meet, uh, meet results with his picture in there. Um, there's some meet, meet where a guy's literally wearing like warm up pants and gym shoes and it's like, wow. it just looks like it's in a gym. Um, it definitely was not a quote sanctioned meet. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's our June 2004 issue. It's and a with great that, issue. Uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff in there. The Mountaineer Cup is one. We honestly could, if we had the people to talk to, unfortunately, I think Nick Bully Busick has passed. Mm-hmm. But if we could find somebody who was around back then, that would be an interesting one to really dive into, the history of it. What I wonder if we ever get Ed on here, if we can talk to him about it. He probably could speak on it. Um, he definitely went to the Mountaineer Cup. I mean, yep. I know he yep. injured his knee at one of them. Um, and he did one of the first WPOs, and then yep. he switched over to Mountaineer. Um, so interesting stuff. And I think now we'll probably, uh, call our colleague Howard Penderson here and go through some stuff on the 10 commandments of powerlifting. All right. We are here now with Dr. Howard Pendros. This is Sir. a, hey. <laughs> We've got a follow-up here to our uh, episode last week on the Ten Commandments of Powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to talk about the republishing of the Ten Commandments of Powerlifting. Um, Howard, uh, it's it's an it's not the longest story in the world, but it's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How did you first get involved with just publishing? Well, initially, um, just professional papers and the like a long time ago. A lot of uh, papers and magazine articles and the like uh, being published. Then about 1997, I started an online newsletter. Now, was this all based around strength training or was this based around your your outside profession? Techie stuff. Okay. Yeah, nerd nerd stuff. So uh, (laughs) I still actually, since, since since 1997, and I just put out the latest edition of that exact same one, 
um, this last week. You, you can name it. Shameless plug. Feel free. Uh, now, now it's called the Motor Diagnostic and Motor okay. Health. Um, and and it, uh, you know, is an editorial in front where I just talk about ramblings if I'm ticked off at something, if I'm angry about you, that, something. That you, never happens. You no, get no, ticked no. off, Howard? No. Uh, never, never. <laughs> I'm always jovial and laughing like this. <laughs> um, <laughs> a little more maniacal, usually. But, yeah. So, so actually, it, you know, I'd had a couple of books published, mm -hmm. uh, and then in 2001, I was working for a company, and uh, we needed a training manual, and the owner didn't want to spend, didn't want to publish it, uh, so I uh, said, well, you can publish it, and uh, I found out that you can become a publisher in about 24 hours. Huh. Okay. So, uh, actual <clears throat> ISBNs, the whole thing. Um, First one, I made a lot of mistakes. What, what's an ISBN for those of us that are oh, stupid? That's, that's the number you see on back that identifies. Okay. Um, so the old Dewey Decimal yeah. System, essentially? Yeah. Well, yeah. no. No. It's, no? It's an actual... Now it's a 13-digit number because mm -hmm. they had to expand it because the number of digital publications. Oh. So you can you can have an ISBN um, on magazines and everything else. It's just an identifier for that particular magazine that helps trace it, especially for copyright. Got it. Got it. So, uh, and also to search it. So for instance, somebody ha has an ISBN for like Ernie Franz's book, mm -hmm. just to stay on, tar on, on uh, topic, um, would be, you know, the, the print and the digital versions are different ISBNs. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So they, if they order it that way, the uh, printing house and I all have a traceable number to know how the cash is going to flow. Analytics. Analytics. <laughs> that too. Uh, so in about 2001, um, I went ahead and started uh, Success by Design Publishing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And published uh, my own book. And everybody goes, oh, self-published. Well, it, it was quite the task. Um, in 2004, I republished or I published another book. And I did that along with a printing house that specialized in all of the editing and typesetting and all of the other things that go with it. It's quite the expensive venture. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was actually somebody else's book. And so I went from a self-publisher to a publishing house. Gotcha. As soon as I added another author. What, what was the book you published back in 01? Um, the book in 01 was Motor Circuit Analysis for Energy Efficient Electric Motor Systems. That's a mouthful. That yes. is. That's what she said. I think there's actually a copy of it over behind us. Ah, in the extensive library of yes, Dr. Yeah. Howard Penrose. The, the, the Motor Doc Library. books over there. I made a mistake and made it 8.5 by 11, which is the most expensive way to have a book printed. Womp womp. Oh, okay. What's, what's uh, the most economical? Well, the reason why you have books that are under 8.5 by 11 mm -hmm. is because they have to trim them after printing. Sure. So that they can... Uh, put bind and put it all together. So, um, eight and a half by eleven paper for printing is inexpensive. Mm -hmm. So they have to trim it down from eight and a half by eleven. So a five by nine book is one of the most common mm -hmm. and one of the least expensive to manufacture. So okay, uh, that's why my other books are all five by nine. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, learn something <laughs> new every day. So, so I kept publishing. I had 10 books uh, in the publishing house mm -hmm. uh, by the time uh, I ran into Ernie later. But I just kept proceeding and, and kept doing it. Some of the books were my own. Mm -hmm. uh, in total, I have 14 books published, not all through myself. But, okay. Uh, 
uh, my two most popular ones, the one that, the ones that won awards, um, one was on physical asset management for the executive with the subtitle, Don't Read This on an Airplane. <laughs> this is a chapter about airplane reliability. Okay. I'll, uh, you, I'll give you a copy that's, after. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so it says, don't read this on the airplane. Is that just an eye catcher or does you not it, want, do you not want people to know what's going on in the airplane? It, it is actually because it was specifically designed. So, so yes is the answer. <laughs> yeah, it was specifically designed for an executive to be able to sit down and, and read it in about a two-hour plane flight. Oh, okay. So um, they, what ended up happening is the majority of books that were sold were by um, people in the reliability industry mm -hmm. and uh, electricians and tradespeople that wanted their bosses in places like General Motors and others mm -hmm. uh, to understand what we did for a living so they would buy them in batches Oh, okay. And give them out to people. And in a lot of cases, I just, just like, okay, give me enough to cover the printing. Here you go. The idea was to promote the industry. Sure. So uh, that, that kind of, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, the best, uh, the other book that won awards, one's a, a bronze uh, academic award, was the, um, uh, uh, was my book on electrical motor diagnostics. Gotcha. And, okay. Um, that one, to put it in perspective, if I were to publish that book through somebody else, because I've had offers to do it, mm -hmm. uh, as a publisher, and it's got a list price of $150 a copy on it, uh, and I sell a lot of them. Okay, so, yeah. So, um, uh, well, here we go. So, Because it is essentially like a textbook style uh, of book, is that correct? It, you, it is. Yeah, okay. So I guess it kind of makes a little more sense, but now I'm just thinking back to college and all the money I wasted on all the textbooks I never, ever cracked open. You could sell right. back for a dollar oh or two. Oh, God. You, you'd have, <laughs> and then you'd have like the one that was like the manual that was like 30 pages, and you'd sell it back for 50 bucks. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Good beer money. Well, the, the, here's, here's the reason why. So if I was under a publisher, mm-hmm. I would be responsible for help selling the books. If I needed any for a class I was teaching, I would have to buy the books Dumb. in order to hand them out. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, there's that. And if I went out to do a signing, I would have to buy the books or they'd have to be sold through a bookstore. Mm -hmm. to, ah. So you make about, uh, for a $150 book, you might make 1% to 5%. Dumb. Okay, so as a publisher... So a dollar fifty. Yeah, so as a publisher... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the blue, my blue book, which is 400 Literally. pages, mm -hmm. um, got a whole box of them over there, right? So, nice. So it uh, cost me about $5.70 to manufacture. Okay. Okay. And you're selling it for 150 bucks. I'm buying them in batches of 1500 sure. to 2500 Right. Which lasts me six months. Okay. 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 Um, if I sell them through Amazon, they take 55% okay. off. And then they sell them at a much reduced cost, so that they're going after volume, which is why right. I like them because I get that the difference. Sure. So now I'm making much more per book mm -hmm. to cover the cost of manufacturing the book in the first place, because mm -hmm. uh, the typesetting and editing and all of the other work that's done is, let's just say, the blue book, the kind of the fine tuning book, of the book basically yeah, it cost me about eighteen grand to have it gotcha. put set up before it was printed. Gotcha. So the um, so. In the end, it's more profitable to go that route if you have an audience for it. Right. Gotcha. So that that actually is a great lead-in then to, you know, so you've been around the publishing world. You've got a lot of different other things that are going on. So how did you come to then meet Ernie and kind of walk through some of that? 
Okay, so uh, I'm a history buff. Mm-hmm. So uh, same. Yeah, like all the stuff going on right now, folks. Uh, you know, it, things like this have happened in history. Before. I knew Howard was going to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> we got yeah. we got nine minutes into the episode, yeah, yeah. and Howard brings it up. Yeah, I promised myself I wouldn't talk about this type of thing, but I, you know, <laughs> man, you lied. Come on, Howard. We know this. <laughs> so, anyways. Uh, we'll talk about more of that, uh, that when we talk about the PPP stuff. So anyways, how did <laughs> I come PPP. to know Ernie? Um, actually, I knew about him because uh, my return to powerlifting in 2011 okay. um, it was, you know, I, I did some training and I did some uh, uh, coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I just actually found the 2002 photos from one of the groups that I was training and in a high in a junior high actually mm-hmm. uh today and uh, so i'd heard of and, and even in the 1980s uh in 1989 when i came back to illinois from from the navy i was seven yeah eric was six I was, <laughs> yep i was 20, 22 yeah so anyways coming back <laughs> kids <laughs> okay so, boomer so I heard of him. As a matter of fact, I went over to basically one of the rival gyms, uh, Ironworks, mm-hmm. uh, in, okay. in Naperville, which was right across from the brand new police uh, police station. And I was in bodybuilding at the time, but I, ill. They had, a, they had the chalk room off to one side. And, I mean, and I'm in bodybuilding too. I just keep building, building, and building all in one area. Yeah, I inverted too. Yeah, exactly. Especially right now. Exactly. Actually, it's funny. I'm losing weight right now. <laughs> it's okay, Howard. Yeah, I know. None of that fast food on the road. No. So, anyways, um, I heard of him then. And so, when I finally met him, it was at the 2011 mm-hmm. right, um, Rise of the Deadlift. Okay, was okay. he there? Yes, he was. He was there, and I think the team was there. Right, It was either before or after that that, that uh, France Gym burned down. It was 2012, right? Uh, I think it was actually in 2011, but it was so maybe it was later in the year. After that. Yeah. Well, I mean the rise of the deadlift. So yeah. he was there, and ah, because it was a major topic of conversation, mm-hmm. and he had a, a a number of folks there from the team. So I got to meet him, and um, you know, kind of a scary group, and you know, no. powerlifting, and not knowing well. like, not knowing what the rules were and everything <laughs> else. Well, and what and, I, what uh, we didn't talk about last week was that. But we, I think we we maybe touched on the gym burning down. We we did make mention of it in um, last week. Prior episode. to that, Ernie had sold the majority of like his powerlifting esque stuff to mm-hmm. uh, this pro gym, um, this chiropractor mm-hmm. gym in Oswego, right. and at least temporarily, the team or what was left of the Franz team. Um, moved to pro gym in Oswego, mm-hmm. and so when Ernie's gym actually burned down, you know there really wasn't a lot. It wasn't what it was before. It wasn't the front gym it was when I was there in right, right. 05, 06. I mean, right. the team wasn't even training there anymore, and I'm not even sure what it, what was left there. Yeah, there was all kinds of weird stuff around it, articles and everything else. Mm-hmm. But, you know, from my take on it, there was a lot of valuable stuff still in there, and it didn't make any sense for what was suggested. Mm. Uh, and it was never proven either. So I think he finally got some settlement from... Uh, from the insurance company, like in the last couple of years. Oh, wow. wow! Yeah, and that's back Jeez. to 2011, ten almost ten years ago. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So it, it just uh, back and forth, back and forth, and part of it was the city was uh, 
because the building was condemned but still standing. Mm, right. So, mm. it, neither here nor there. That is actually for the next book on Ernie, but that's besides the point. Stay tuned, kids. Yep. <laughs> um, so, uh, in I kind of met him then, and then he came up and he talked to me about something. Uh, something I did impressed him. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but. I, I, you know, I was raw, and, and they were all these equipped guys lifting. Like, I, let's just say I was the opening guy. That's fair. <laughs> the flight. Well, that's because you were the first one. That's why it was impressive. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, oh, he there did, was something. He about, didn't die. Good job. He, he liked my form or something. And, mm-hmm. I mean, Ernie is the type that would go and talk to every level of lifter. Really. Oh yeah, I mean, for sure. Not just the high level lifters. In fact, he probably would be more likely to go talk to the lower level lifter you know, the beginning lifter Mm -hmm. to give them some advice because usually they're more receptive. Right. Well, I was impressed enough that, and I had been wanting to to go into gear at the time. My coach at the time said, absolutely not, Irv. Uh, (laughs) Come on, Irv. (laughs) Come on, Irv. Um, But uh, uh, that that the discussion we had, if Franz Jim had remained open, I probably would be there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, it, it it was a really nice... Just quick conversation impressed me. So um, the following year, I think it was uh, the state meet. Um, I ran into him again, and somebody had brought up the Ten Commandments of Powerlifting, and I said, "Oh, are you going to publish it again?" Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is 2012, and um, he told me a little bit of the story about how he he had submitted everything, and I said, "Well, I do know a little bit about publishing," and I said that a if you're going to publish a book, unless you're actually publishing it yourself, if somebody's going to supposedly publish it for you and then just give you a printed book back, mm-hmm. that's called vanity publishing. Okay. Okay. And, um, uh, I said that's not a really R- write that down. Will be a quiz later, kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what I did was self-publishing initially, and then I became a publishing house once you have two or more authors. Um. And. What he was doing was vanity publishing in which the ISBN would be owned by the publishing house as mm. well. Okay. Okay. Uh, so so they actually keep making money on everything after charging you an arm and a leg. You never see anything. And then you have That's to do that bullshit the right there. Okay. So we're self-publishing and I'm using a publishing organization to, to manage that for me. Okay. You know, so so anyways, I had a little discussion with him about that. I said, hey, let's talk again a little little while later. And then uh, we didn't see each other until, the, let's see, that was the summer bash. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, he was there, and he was upset because they had lost his transcript. Now, the transcript for the 1983, I want to say, version which of which there were only ever... Uh, he says 100, then I heard 150. So somewhere between 100 and 150 copies ever made. Of the, no way. That, that doesn't seem right. That's what I was told. Wow. No, no way. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm not saying you weren't told that. I'm just saying there's no way it's only 150. Yeah, because yeah, I've, I've, I've seen more out told. there. There's probably that's, been more out there in I, Chicago. All I can say is that's what I was told. Yeah, we get you. Um, and, uh, Conspiracy. Collusion. Yeah. <laughs> Russia took him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's all right. We're not going to be able to use air conditioners this summer. You know that, right? They're full of the Rona. Yeah, exactly. According to a Chinese study. Oh, here we go. <laughs> literally China. Today. It was awful. So anyways, um, so <laughs> I 
I'm getting the Eric look, aren't I? Uh, I mean, I, I know you can't see it through all my bigness, Howard. Yeah, right, exactly. I guess I should have sat in the middle, huh? Yeah. We go like small, medium, I get, large I get today. The, I get the, all right, Howard. <laughs> and Howard's like, I can't see you. I see yeah. what I want. Uh-huh. Bear in mind, this one, this was not going to be posted until next week sometime. Well, now, whatever. Oh, okay. So it'll be even worse by then. Oh, God. <laughs> So, anyways, we're in Illinois. We're being held hostage. Please help us. Unfortunately, he gave this vanity publisher the original. Oh no! With the original non-reproduced pictures. Right, because Ernie was oh, Ernie wow. was pretty good about having pictures, but I don't know that he like had multiple copies of the same picture. I mean, no, not 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 about half the half the copies in the yeah, book th- were were just they're not they're gone. Yeah. Well, wow. not even that, but a lot of the pictures in that original book, they're not really the, the highest of quality to begin with, to be honest with you. Very true. Well, it was almost photocopied. Yeah, that's about what they look so, like in the yeah. original book. And there's a lot of good things about the original book. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, well, granted, we're talking about a book published in 19, what did we say, 84? 80, 83, 84, yeah. 83, 84, so it's not like we're in the digital age back then, mm-hmm. but the photos, yeah, some of the photos literally look like they're photocopied right into the book. Yeah, so now I respect Ernie a lot. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, and and he was giving me some advice on lifting and everything else. And and at that meet, I said, "Why don't we get together uh, in a couple of weeks?" Which ended up being August. Mm-hmm. We'll sit down. I'll walk you through the process of publishing. He called me up a few days later, and he says, "Well, you know how to publish. Can you do it?" And uh, I said, um, "Absolutely." I just didn't want to. You know, didn't want to impose. Basically, I didn't want to impose. Sure. I was going to help direct him to a publishing house because technically I'd shut down my publishing company uh, and uh, was just distributing books still. Mm-hmm. So I restarted everything mm-hmm. um, and was able to get for, through a, an organization called Bowker um, my ISBN ID back. Okay, and it still exists now. So I, I and this was the IS, was this ISBN code. Was this after the gym had opened, or where were we in that? Because we opened in, what, 20... I started training um, with Because we're going to be on... 12, right around May, so... Oh, no, um, and, and there's a confluence all coming here as, we, as we're talking yeah, through so, this, so... Yeah, the book yeah, right, was exactly. published in 2013. Okay, yeah, so we started in 2014, so it was, it was just prior to that. Yeah, the, the 2XL was organized as a business on May 5th of, of 2014, but mm-hmm. we didn't officially open our doors until august okay so the book was published yeah but the book, the book but we, we yeah you, were, you, guys were, you guys were talking at that point oh, yeah we yeah. were training together at that point definitely right. so i sat down and, and ernie and i signed two publishing contracts the mm-hmm. first one was for the ten commandments mm-hmm. okay and the second one is for the life biography of ernie frotz point <laughs> to the camera I, it's I, coming I, soon i'm doing the side look at the camera at the same time yep. so yep um uh, that is that's been in progress, and, and I'll explain a little bit about that in a little bit. So, uh, we um, we Ernie provided me some information, um, but we couldn't find an original copy of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, uh, you know I didn't bother asking this Eric, so I ended up running into Eric Marosher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a copy, and. Yeah, Eric had a copy. Uh, Eric Marosher, who who also, by the way, duplicated a lot of Ernie's meets from before mm-hmm. and made up DVDs for him. Yes, uh, which are pretty 
really awesome. You know? Eric does a lot of great stuff when oh, it comes to does. just all kinds of media. I mean, his video skills are awesome. His, I mean, his recording uh, studio in his basement is, is great. So yeah. Eric does a lot of really good stuff. No, I, I really, I was, I was truly impressed. I mean, I was going to do it, and then the videos went over there, and I wasn't sure how they'd turn out, and they actually they turned out really good. Because yeah. at the time, I was uh, the webmaster for the Institute of Electrical Electronics Engineers, one of their websites, and was doing all the conversions of 1970s videos on from beta and VHS. You know, I just literally saw a advertisement on YouTube for IEEE, which I thought was really interesting. Hmm. I'll probably, uh, yeah. Some of, some of your propaganda? Oh, no, no. no. I, I, actually, um, two years ago, I, I stepped away from that because I took over as chair of an international society. So, um, for a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a super nerdy, so I didn't bring it up. <laughs> but, um, so... Um, we found that, and then I try. We tried to scan OCR, it. so we we're trying to scan it to text. Mm-hmm. But the text was used. We couldn't get it recognized with any mm-hmm. of the existing OCR at the time. T- so, Times New Helvetica, basically. Right. <laughs> so there was a um, in the writing group I was part of. Uh, there was a young lady by the name of Margaret mm-hmm. uh, from Czech uh, Czech Republic. Ah, uh, now I'm connecting the dots. Yeah, that was going to um, National uh, Northern Illinois University. Okay, okay. And um, she, um, you know, was in between stuff. She couldn't work because she was on a student visa. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, helped her out by giving her a donation in exchange for... Services? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, retyping the book. Yes. So she retyped so, all of the text. What you're saying, Howard, is that there was no copy of the book. She literally flipped through the old 1983 version of the book and literally typed it into a computer. In 24 hours. Wow. <laughs> Superior work ethic. Yeah. And, and Oh, and by the way, corrected all the misspellings in the original. Oh, right, the and gr- grammatical errors, I'm sure. And, and no, English was not her first language either. No, but she's a really good writer. So that piece right there, I'm going to pull and give to my kids every time they give me crap about their ELA or anything like that. Yeah. Like, listen, this well, girl could do this. You can do this too. She, What's she ELA? Is, it's like their English, their version of English. Oh, so, okay, yeah. okay. So Margaret, by the way, is now a permanent resident. She went oh, back okay. to Czech nice. and then, and then uh, came back. Um, Thanks, Margaret. Yep. And uh, I'm going to tag her on this. I can't remember how to pronounce her last name, so I'm not even going to attempt to to butcher it. But um, uh, she, she's been a, a friend and associate uh, for, for quite some time. So it was an opportunity to help somebody out at the same time. Sure. So she did, uh, she did a great job. Um, and then as soon as, while we were putting all that together, uh, without having to destroy the book, mm-hmm. too, which if we had sent it out to a professional company at OCR, they would have had to break the spine. Right. And we didn't want to destroy an original. Right. Right. Because you said that was Marocher's copy, correct? Yes. Yes. Oh, he would have no, lost you, his mind. <laughs> mind you, no. A, a Maro, uh, Eric very specifically said I could. Okay. And I said I was going to do everything I could not to. So it cost me a few dollars more, not by much, sure. to actually have somebody retype it. And then um, when we did release it, the following year at the uh, state meet. Um, My Margaret, first meet, by the way. Margaret and Bronca and some others were behind there to 
keep you know to keep um, mm-hmm. uh, to keep Ernie company and to help him with selling and signing mm-hmm. the book and his other wares. So he was surrounded by beautiful women <laughs> from Eastern Europe. Yes, is better. That's, I mean, <laughs> is there anything better than being surrounded by beautiful Eastern European women? I couldn't think of anything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as a matter of fact, I think um, that year uh, we went down to um, to Florida and, and we had uh, somebody else help them out. So uh, it was it was uh, it was really good. So uh, awesome. Yeah, actually, right before lifting. In 2014 at Worlds, I was benching the, first, the day before we were setting up the books, and I picked up one of the boxes of the books in the exact wrong way and tweaked my shoulder. <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> uh, so, it's rough. Well, you get to a certain age, you know, you can you can bench 500, but opening a refrigerator will pull your back. So, tell <laughs> sounds sounds like very sports specific fitness versus true. Yeah. <laughs> So any other issues were there with republishing the book? Now, am I correct, Howard, in that the nineteen or the, the twenty thirteen version is basically, with the exception of a couple changes, uh, a duplicate of the nineteen eighty three version. We'll talk about the really specific changes, but otherwise was it basically a you know, a, a republish? Um, almost. Yeah. So so there's the differences are I put a forward in. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I left the original forward in. Sure. Um, there was a section that if we wanted to sell it on Amazon or anywhere else, we had to take out. And it was about seven paragraphs in length. And it was how to um, how to include steroids in your diet. Power right. lifters use steroids? No. Right. And we did. <laughs> However, will they get in the Olympics? And we did talk about that last week. It, yeah, mm-hmm. it is. I counted. It's seven paragraphs. Yep. And... It's really nothing super specific. In fact, I'm kind of surprised you decided. Well, I'm not surprised you decided to take it out. But th- there's nothing in there that's there's no like cycles laid out. I mean, li- no. like literal like no. you know Deca Winstrol test at varying amounts kind of cycle. Someone say test. He basically just says, you know, I use steroids. I don't recommend it, but if you're going to, you know, be smart and a little goes a long way. Yeah. You know, very yeah. common it, sense. It'll have like ten percent. It, it, yeah, he did say it had 10%. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was um, common sense stuff. I had no issue with it. But um, there were a number of things we had to consider, such as uh, there's, like even when we went to Relentless, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of organizations I deal with in the food processing inju- industry were about to put out up to six digits into Relentless. Mm-hmm. And then they said, well, is it a tested event? Right. Sure, it's tested. Yeah. Just not everybody. And uh, I said, I said some are. And they said, we cannot be associated with steroids. Yep. Sure. And, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Run into that myself. <laughs> so, so, so when we look at it, we said, you know what? We cannot include it in there. Yeah. Um, Amazon would have rejected the book right off the bat. Interesting. So, so we would have lost that distribution, which right, right now it's the primary method other than Ernie selling the books. Sure. Um, primary method. Now, um, I did um, get some over to different um, different stores. Mm-hmm. So Elite FTS uh, got a, a, a purchased uh, like 20 books for resale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if they still have it up, but they did have it up at one point. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they're, they're still in print. Um I did, I did way over print, and that's that's something else that happened. But 
<laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Inventory, brand new inventory control software by the other folks, and they told me that we had run out of books when we still had 90%. So I did Ooh. another run much larger. So last year I had 3,000 books destroyed. Ugh, that stinks. That's We had a total of 6,500 books printed. Okay. So I think I only have 100 or so left in stock there. Yeah, I think you copy. But I converted it over to digital too. So those of you who are watching, if you want to help Ernie out, because 100% of all the profits, I only cover the direct costs, Mm -hmm. go to Ernie. Um, I actually have my digital copy of it. Yeah, there you go. Um, We haven't, uh, sales have really gone down a little bit. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're looking for something to do during the quarantine, we'll say we can put the link in. Uh, we certainly can for this yeah, so, uh, on this one. I think it'd be important to do that because it's it's a great it's a fast read too. Yeah, it's uh, a very easy read. It's yeah. a fast read, and it's we talked about it last week, Bane. Most of the stuff in there is very common sense. It is. Yeah. Um, the, the Ten Commandments themselves, I'd say, mm-hmm. are as common sense as like they're as common sense as common could be. Basically, it, they are. But I think this is a time when people are. Just evaluating a lot of things just overall is a, a, you know, obviously very unique situation going on with Corona. And <laughs> so, you know, something like this where, it, to your point, it's very common sense. It's laid out in a very simple way. And it allows people to just take some time and say, okay, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I need to improve here. I need to improve on commandment number five. And I just don't even do number seven. I need to get this figured out. Sure. And I think that's a, a really important thing. So I think this is actually potentially a, a game changer for some folks because they've just ha- never had it as laid out in that in that way. Right. Well, and they'll also find, because we didn't change anything from 1983, so the programming mm-hmm. that he put in there is the same. And I've seen the past years, uh, well, past uh, five years, six mm-hmm. years, um, some programs come out that are "quote unquote" brand new. Right. Look Say it with me, kids. Identical. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it, I mean, people may have developed something thinking it's brand new, but what they've done is they've reproven yeah. the way it was done before. So what is, what is old is new again. To to this date, I I more or less try to follow that that program. Mm-hmm. So it's uh you know it's it's pretty good. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, you asked me, uh, do we have any future projects? Yes, um, we've been working on it. Charlie Stevens, um, uh, who was working for me the past few years, um, took all the tapes that I believe Amy was uh, originally transcribing. Amy Jackson. Mm-hmm. Amy Jackson. The Amy Jackson. The Jamie, Amy Jackson. Jamie um, Jackson. Originally transcribing, uh, got those, plus he did a whole bunch more. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what was really interesting because you've talked about some of the stories on here and uh, so she was transcribing these stories and then part of the task was to go back and vet the stories Sure. <laughs> so the, the ones that were like okay I believe that well okay there was some tweaking that needed to be done for accuracy Sure. the ones that were extreme far out and weird she was able to Directly that validate way easier. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, oh, assassination. Oh, yeah. Well, holy yeah, cow, I, how'd I this forget, happen? I forget where it was. I think it was in some Eastern European country oh, that supposedly... I kept, Austria keeps sticking Austria, out. Austria, yes. Yeah. I think it was yeah. Austria that supposedly he was going to be assassinated. And that I heard that story well, there was, there was, very early on. It, 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 yeah, there were some issues with that. Uh, South Africa was an interesting one. Yeah, um, the, the raid. The raid, yeah. 
Yeah, the people show up at the front door and they escaped out the back. Um, and then Ernie's association with some big names, um, not just in sports, mm -hmm. it was, was incredible. I mean, he's really touched uh, a lot of people through his career. So when we finally get it published, and, and to be perfectly blunt, um, I think you mentioned before Ernie's getting to an age, um, we have so many pages typed up, mm -hmm. and um, there's a lot missing. So we're going back, and, and I've been listening diligently to Strength and Anger, hint, hint, uh, and, Shameless plug. And looking at a lot of other things, and, and we did a series of little video interviews and yep. and took some of that information. Mm -hmm. We're bringing it all together. And then the next thing was we were supposed to be transporting a bunch of Ernie's stuff from mm -hmm. uh, his, his house his house to uh, the Ernie, um, uh, I don't know what we're going to call it. The shrine. Uh, yeah, shrine. Shrine to Shrine, shrine, shrine works. Um, here at the gym, here at 2XL. Uh, which was part of the agreement. You know, part of the, the contract is literally to be able to preserve things and protect him. So mm -hmm. if somebody wanted to do a... Uh, a, a biopic. A or bio something. or something yeah. like that, uh, they actually have to talk to my company. Mm, gotcha. um, and that Success way, by design. Right. And that way... And, and we have it set up. I mean, we don't benefit from it, but the idea is to protect Ernie and his yeah. legacy. Sure. So... Um, the, well, and he, that's the whole point of the whole effort is to protect that legacy. Right. So generations will understand where a lot of things come from. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about some of the previous publishers that had said they had tried to republish his book. I mean, they'd taken not only his manuscripts, they'd taken his money as well. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And so he'd basically been taken advantage of. Well, um, and Ernie's a very trusting individual, um, especially as you get into his older age and, mm -hmm. you know, someone that's a you know, a friend of his, a family member or something like that comes in. Oh, yeah, yeah, Ernie, I can publish your book. No big deal. Yep. And, yeah, they said, oh, just give me $5,000 up front and give me the manuscripts, and then yep. nothing ever gets done. I All mean, right. and it was, it's a, as you said, it was kind of a straightforward republishing. I mean, you did have to pay a girl to literally retype it. Um, and what about the pictures? You didn't talk too much about that. Oh, yeah, no, or, I went over to his place and and discovered um, a lot about Ernie's history mm -hmm. just going through boxes and boxes and <laughs> boxes of, I will just say, historical photos. Right. Sure. Some hysterical, but primarily historical. <laughs> historical see, and hysterical. See what and, you did there. And lots of notes on the back and everything else. So, so uh, you know, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on that so we can start doing the next step. The um, So that was an adventure in itself. Sure. Um and, and got to hear even more stories. Yeah. And I had another assistant along the lines, and she was videotaping and recording, and we sat down uh, with <clears throat> different people from the sport, and they were sharing stories mm -hmm. at dinner, I think, uh, 2016 Worlds. Right, down in Louisiana. Down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that was a story. <laughs> uh, you know, we wanted to make sure that he was there because, you know, he's getting to an age and getting him in, at something, and this was a big deal, and... So in Louisiana, it was a, there, there was something about that event that made it a bigger deal than normal. So we bought a booth, traded a booth actually for 1,505 pounds of weight. <laughs> Which we have in the gym. <laughs> and then uh, I handled the live stream and I brought down my assistant at the time and um, uh, she managed Ernie 
and we were trying to get Ernie down, and Ernie was looking at uh, driving down and was trying to figure out how to get there. And he said, <laughs> Ernie, stop. I have a million freaking points. So uh, get on a plane, up, man. On, well, it's even better. Set him up on United mm-hmm. in first class. Uh, oh, really? He's never flown first class before. Interesting. So apparently there were other lifters getting on the plane too, and they uh, they uh, he got kind of a shocked look. <laughs> they just, lo- just lose their mind when they see Ernie Franz just sitting there. In the, oh yeah. In the front well, seat. and then he did drive down to 2018 Worlds in Florida, which oh. and then he got lost, and then I think you know we kind of was that had, at the B. Yes, and okay. then we kind of had somebody follow him back up to Chicago because him driving down by himself was kind of scary. Uh, it's terrifying. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I don't want to drive down to Florida, and nope. him driving down by himself is well, just... Amy and I paid somebody to make sure he got back. Yeah, exactly. So Amy gave some money, and, and, and I covered everything else. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, so, you know, that was, that was important. And then, you know, we were, even for the, the state meet, he was supposed to be here. We were supposed yeah. to have everything set up and back, which was going to yeah. be a challenge anyways from my usual work mm-hmm. right so i think amy started bringing some stuff over and then yeah we, we got a few boxes a truck and go over there but he he just had some um health things so with this present situation don't want to expose him to anything sure. no he's sure. definitely in a, a compromised i yeah. mean not just his age but yeah he's just, just in general of, yeah he's just gotten out of basically rehabilitation so yeah when we went over to look at what we were going to bring um i think in february yeah, yeah, that sounds uh, about right. Yep. He, uh, yeah, he was, he was, uh, he's looked healthier than he did when I went to visit him in ICU. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, but I think you hit it on the head, Howard. Is that you know this is a it's a project that is about you know the preserving of a legacy because I mean this the sport here in America really revolves around basically Ernie and Louie. That's it, where the majority of everything comes from. That you can talk about other stuff too, but really everything comes from. But when you really come break it down, almost everything outside of Ohio stems from Louis, or from from Ernie. I'm sorry, and oh, yeah. and and so this, this deep deep lineage of you know tremendous lifters and and honestly, because the type of person Ernie was is these is. Gr- these great people. Yes, and, and that's mm-hmm. what what I think is a, an even bigger legacy is the amount of giving that comes from the spirit of, of Ernie Franz through the people that he's mentored over the years. Uh, you mentioned Eric Moroger. I mean that he's a tremendous giver. Uh, obviously here at at Two XL, uh, both of you guys tremendous givers to the lifting community, and so I think that's Dick Zenzen came from Franz. Another one, Rudy yes. Rudiger came from Franz, yep. and, and most of the, I mean a lot of the powerlifting gyms in Chicago yeah. have it, all some, of them can trace back some kind of trace back to France in some way shape Even or us. form yeah no no doubt us no doubt yeah. i mean i trained there um jackie trained there yeah i mean you, I mean, you guys I mean he set you guys up yeah well, well that was really uh, Marocher, sorry yeah but but that's I, again the, this is a huge labor of love and i think it's going to be an important one because you know it's obviously not a question of if it's when you know ernie does finally move on to the next uh, phase of existence it, it's going to be huge to have this this preserved well the good news is most of it's preserved Right. Yep. So, um, it, it's, but then it's cataloging and putting it in a way that people can experience yeah, it. It's going to be time and energy necessary to do the next step. Yeah. And um, you know, we'll get there. Uh, we're not going to, you know, I mean, the original book. Uh, getting back to this, um, mm-hmm. 
he kept, and, and getting back to what Eric said, he kept saying, hey, how much do I owe you? And I kept looking at him going, I'm your publisher. <laughs> I'm going to be paying you. Right. So, uh, but, th but there have been a number of publishers that had come to Ernie, and oh, I think yeah. more than one that had taken his money yeah. and had said they were going to read. Because we talked about it last week, Bane. I went to his gym as a, if not a teenager, a young kid in his 20s, mm -hmm. And asked him about, hey, can I buy your book? I'd, I'd like to buy it and read it. And he said, sorry, you know, it's, out, no of, more, yeah. it's out of print. I don't even have a copy myself. Yeah. And I, I ended up buying it from Ricky Del Crane, who had a few copies left. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's important that we maintain, a, you know, some, some of the, the printed copies because Ernie gets a chance to sign them. I've got, yeah. you know, both Bronca and I have signed copies. I know you guys probably do, right? I actually do not, do not have one yet, so well, when when this is all done, I do. I definitely one hundred percent want a hard yeah. copy. And, I have yeah. one that he signed for Jackie and I. Yeah, which and at the twenty fourteen state meet, that was a big deal. I mean, he had a line yeah. of people waiting. Oh yeah, I remember that. He had a line of people waiting to get his new book because you had republished it in twenty thirteen. Mm -hmm. Twenty fourteen only state meet was kind of its like coming out party, and he was signing books and taking pictures. I have a picture with him at that meet. Um, it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. and I think he really appreciated that, Howard, I can tell you. I mean, he was kind of back in his glory because that, that was a time where we talked a few weeks ago mm -hmm. about when he decided to restart his own organization, the American Franz Powerlifting Federation. Mm -hmm. I think he would finally had given up on that kind of stuff of running his own organization and running his own gym. I think he would finally sort of semi-accepted retirement or semi-retirement and, right. uh, you know, bask in the glory of the work he'd done for 50 years. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I, I remember going to that meet, and obviously, I, I'm drinking from a fire hose. All this just stuff coming at me, right? Seeing the platforms, I'd never seen anything even close to a two platform meet. You know, been training at the YMCA, so it's a bit of a culture shock, right? And then I see this table, and I see this line of people, and a friend of mine uh, from our church actually used to train at the Monster Garage, and he introduced me to a few people from over there. And I was like, "Dude, what's what's all going on over here?" And he's like, "Man, that is that's Ernie Franz." There is like this meet doesn't happen. There is not powerlifting in Illinois if it's not for him, right? And right. and I just I remember thinking like, wow, that, that'd be really cool to just get a chance to talk to him. Obviously, now I've got a chance to. My daughter's got a chance to. Now I know so much more about the story. But it's like thinking about it now, looking back, like and now I've got the history of how that book was even published. Like, wow, what a what so, an amazing just confluence of events. Yeah, and and it was purely just a quick conversation that initiated it. And so speaking of a labor of love, Howard, mm -hmm. um, yes. how mm -hmm. much money did you make on republishing this Ten Commandments of Powerlifting? How much did I lose? <laughs> <laughs> I asked that knowing the answer, but yeah, I figured um, I'd ask it anyway. Uh, yeah, it, it was never intended to be uh, a profit venture for us, as a, and, and it was more along the lines of something so we could give something to Ernie. And initially, I was able to write him some relatively good checks for mm -hmm. published uh book right now it's primarily um we're barely covering the storage costs for the hundred books that are in there so yeah if you if you start purchasing the books you'll be helping ernie out uh i, I really enjoy doing that especially yeah. you know as 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 you know there's no gym there anymore yeah so um and it, it is too bad when we when we think back to Franz gym 
I don't know that building was ever going to last. I mean, it was an old. <laughs> Dude, you drive a big deadlift, and I think it was going to fall down from what I hear. I mean, it was a, my, my parents literally bought their first set of furniture when they got married from that the store that was in that building. That's yeah. crazy. And my parents got married in like 1977. Wow. And it was probably a thing then. Like, it wasn't like brand new. Yeah. And so he moved his gym there. He had two gyms in Aurora. Mm-hmm. There was one that was down the road on Broadway, and then he moved to that one. And I think, you know, there was always the hope that uh, a gym like Franz Gym could be passed on mm-hmm. to somebody else to continue running it under that name. Um, I think he thought maybe he was trying to do that when he sold his equipment to Pro Gym and right. moved the team there. That's a re- really kind of another story for another time. Um, so many stories. Yeah, there's a lot of stories when it comes to Ernie. And that's why we've tried to break up some of these you bet. little mini stories of Ernie. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, there was always the hope that the legacy of Franz Gym could live on as an actual Franz gym. Um, but at the very least, I think, Howard, you've preserved the legacy of that original book. Yeah. And then hopefully mm-hmm. with, you know, maybe even my help, if we're under a Corona team for, for, <laughs> for too much longer. Um, I, well, to be perfectly honest, I'm, you know, my situation's a little bit different. I haven't been able to focus on it right now because I'm running my business full time. Mm-hmm. Plus yeah. What we're up to here. Plus, I'm trying to do webinars to 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 uh, help people out in my industry that mm-hmm. are around. Plus, I'm connecting people in the industry that have been in my industry mm-hmm. that have been dispossessed by their companies, matching them up with other companies. So, right, yeah, I'm actually working a good 16 to 20 hour day right now, harder than I normally do. Just I get to be at home. Um, right. So let's uh, let's move on and yeah. some other t- and some other stuff, Howard. So um, we talked about strength. Now we're getting into the anger. Yeah, we talked about the strength and the legacy of Ernie Franz. <laughs> um, but Howard, uh, you know what the hell is going on with PPP? And describe what the hell PPP is supposed to be. What it is? It's not okay. pew pew pew. I'll tell you that. It is not yeah. That. Well, it's the it's the Paycheck Protection Program. Okay. Which is part of HR seven forty eight. Here we go. Which started out originally as a completely different act that they threw together quickly. Thank goodness, not as quickly as they did for the bailout thing back in the night in, in, in two thousand eight. Yeah. Um, this one took a few weeks. Everybody got frustrated, but um, it it was probably I do I since nineteen ninety three I've been making calls on the hill. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and I've seen or or have. Um, had input into some legislation in what I in my profession mm-hmm. outside of the gym. Yeah, and a good companion piece for this episode, if you'd like, is to go back and listen to our Strength and Anger Extra. Yes, yeah. the first we, one. Yep, where we did a full interview with Howard and kind of went through his professional history. Yeah, electrical motor diagnostic consulting, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and talked quite a bit about that kind of stuff. Industrial electrical reliability and. Sure. Yeah, all kinds of other all that stuff. nerd shit, nerd stuff. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite. Uh, but anyways, uh, so so reading through it wasn't too challenging, and, and um, uh, well, it was a little challenging, but but not too bad. I read it overnight before putting out something the next day to mm-hmm. get people up to date on it. And I think our intention is we want to see, in particular, businesses and independent contractors make it through this, so that at the end of whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's put let's put no, a big emphasis on that. Whatever's going on yeah, today, today we, I know this will be published later, but today, just before arriving here, we learned that uh, Illinois is going until May thirtieth, and then um, people were allowed on stage that I knew 
from my past academic life and, and um, I think the walls came down in my condo. If we, if we had had the camera on when we were all discussing prior to the episode, we're running our tests and everything. <laughs> a lot of anger. <laughs> oh, there was a lot of anger there. I yeah, mean, yeah. And, and I would say the, the three of us generally feel the same way about all this as far as kind of what's actually happening. Unvetted but. models using bad data. <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? No, no. And let's pad it on top of it. And they had, they told, they said that, it, I'm sorry. <laughs> so they basically said, fake news, alternative facts. And then they tried to use big words. It just made it worse. <laughs> PPP so, loans. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, right now, while we're speaking, um, the uh, the reauthorization for it is in the house. Mm-hmm. Now, why can we talk about a little uh, about this with a little bit of authority? I've been in, I put in two PPP loans. Mm-hmm. Okay. PPP. Yeah. Um, Only three. Sure I didn't add a fourth. Yeah. Um, for for MotorDoc and for two XL. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. MotorDoc was with a very large bank, mm-hmm. and they actually opened up on the Friday to be, make it available. And we use a much smaller, kind of a state local bank. Yeah, they're they're Midwestern because I think they yeah. started in Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I fifth, run in, fifth third. Uh, yeah, yeah, fifth third. Um, so can't even do math, Jesus. Yeah, so <laughs> well, they were from the corner of fifth. I and wasn't going to mention the banks, but that's neither here nor there. So, anyways, um, edit that out later. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but anyways, um, so there was very interesting experience with that. Now, I read through the act, and I talked about it up front, and I did warn people that what's in the act and what actually happens will not match. And we, and we talked about this during the interview with you, because it was right did. when the CARES Act yeah. you know, had, had, had it passed, or was it at the, it at the cusp? It, it, okay, had it had just passed. passed. It had, it had passed. But I don't think any of these loans had come through yet. No, no, that well, whole process was just started at that point. Yes, and, and uh, the... the the point is, and, and I said, just like any other act uh, that involves the federal government and lots of money, it's it's not going to go the way you think it will. Because, Whoa! Uh, and and there were a lot of people apparently surprised by that, uh, like when um, some of the large restaurant chains got lots and lots and lots of. So money. describe that, Howard. Yeah, so, okay. I know that there was like Ruth Chris, there was Potbelly, there was I think it wasn't Steak and Shake, it was uh, like, Shake Shack. Shake Shack that actually returned their money. Yep. Well, no, no. They said they're going to. Oh, okay. They haven't done it yet. <laughs> it's actually really difficult to do that. Interesting. Well, so, let's, let's so, talk about why, and so then maybe we can get to, into the, to, the return. I, at this point, I'd have to look and see if they actually were able to. Well, let's just go through how were they able to get the money. Yeah. Because um, people don't see Potbelly or Ruth Chris as a small business. Well, that's because they see the corporation and not the franchises so right. so when when the newspapers started putting them out there they lumped them under a company name mm-hmm. uh, uh potbellies for instance didn't go out as potbelly corporation and gather all that money at once each of their locations was had allowed to apply under title one section 1101 part d look that up folks yeah I sure Section, subsection three. Oh my god! Which basically says, uh, especially in in NIAC seventy two, which means any business that is a restaurant or hotel or hospitality mm-hmm. has the ability to split their locations up. So each individual location, as long as that individual location has less than five hundred people, can individually 
apply for a PPP. And, and it's based on that location and their, I don't say merit, but their ability to repay the loan. Like it's, it's yeah. individual. So it's not leveraging pop belly corporate. It's saying, Hey, Howard, your pop bellies can get a PPP loan. Yep. Bain, sorry, yours can't. Eric, yours can't. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, pot belly and a lot of, a lot of small, you know, chain restaurants mm-hmm. are actually franchises, which yeah. means they're individually owned. Thanks, they, Ray Kroc. They pay a fee and a percentage or whatever the franchise deal is mm-hmm. to corporate, but they aren't owned by corporate. Right. They're just an agency of them. Yeah. Right. So those who follow me on Facebook know that I pretty much jumped up right away and said, because people were running around with all of these uh, news articles saying, oh my God, they're stealing. Sensationalist headlines. Yeah. Sensationalist headlines that listed all these folks and said they're getting a bailout and all this other stuff um, that... They actually didn't. They actually followed the law, most of them. There's yeah. no doubt. There is no doubt whatsoever fraud is occurring. Citizens taking advantage of the government when there's oh, big no. money involved in minimal oversight? Never. That plus, hey, if you really wanted a change, you should have been involved up front, and you should have had lobbyists on the Hill because these guys do. If you've been involved in government, you know that inside that 495 corridor, you're on another planet. They have no idea what's going on outside of that. Oh, right, yeah. I mean, it, it's that part is, I think, showing in, in a lot of these different press conferences where, it's again, I do believe these individuals that are speaking, they mean well, but again, they just have their concept of reality of the average citizen is so, like, it's so <laughs> skewed. It's it, so skewed. It gets better. <laughs> oh, it does. It does. So I, when but, I went on the Hill the first time, I told people, I said, okay, when we go into a congressional office or a Senate office, this was uh, mm-hmm. during government, when we launched government relations in, my, in that professional society, I said, do not expect to meet the senator or governor, or not governor, or, or, um, or uh, uh, congressman. Congressman, congressman yeah. Uh, expect to meet a staff member. And that staff member is probably going to be between 23 20, and 27. Between 20 <laughs> and 27. <laughs> And um, they are the ones who take your information. They're the ones who reach out and look at the area. They're the ones who tell that, um, that representative mm-hmm. how to vote, what to say, what to do, with only a few exceptions. Okay, so, Write that down, kids. So staff, and by the way, staff is a pool mm-hmm. that they draw from. So you vote one person out, and the next person moves in. If they're of the same party, mm-hmm. they can draw even the same staff. Sure. Mm-hmm. So staff is perpetual. They're the ones who are writing everything. The, the person who's voted in place, that person is voted in place based upon what they're standing for, so everything that's done is based upon that. Mm-hmm. If you want to do a real lesson in fi- civics, go to Washington, D.C., and visit your representative. Have fun. Don't visit them locally. Go to D.C. So anyways... So, so the tell- PPP was meant to help sure. everything all the way down to individual, uh, you know, independent contractors, independent contractors, um, sole proprietors that that were self-employed, things like that. And it's what's it's supposed to be helping people who've completely lost their their paycheck, basically, and, and their ability to create income, or mostly right. lost. It right. doesn't have to be fully lost. Sure. So uh, because it's it's it turns out to be a forgivable loan. As long, as long as you're paying for utilities, including internet, mm-hmm. and you keep people on your payroll for that period of time, for the eight weeks. Sure. Okay, for and, 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 and keeping people can include yourself if you're the only person on the payroll. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, so, so for instance, under MotorDock, I had to supply uh, my Schedule C mm -hmm. uh, in, order to, um, in order to see if I could get some funding for my business because while I'm still working, mm -hmm. I'm at a much reduced rate. I'm only accepting emergency jobs, basically. Right, very, right. You very can't specific. Just, and you yeah. can't go off-site quite as much as you normally would. No, no, I, I'm not, I can't do sales calls. Sure. So um, all the sales calls, all the training, face-to-face uh, -face training I do and things like that that are, that are where I make a profit, those are not mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. Service calls, like I've been to Michigan, I've been downtown Chicago and other places, um, short-term calls in, get the job done, get out. Mm -hmm. That's because of their own rules. And then to top it off now, there's a 14-day rule. Because right. I live in Illinois... And what they declared today, there's a chance that some places will say you can't come in until you're outside of Illinois for 14 days. Jesus. So you're moving to Wisconsin for a little bit. Yeah, Texas. Oh, yeah, or Texas or Georgia, maybe. <laughs> or Oklahoma, where the wind turbines are. Ah, there you go. So uh, anyways, so the the idea here is to get out of that the, the PPP. So to XL, we were awarded a PPP. Mm -hmm. Okay. That covers um, our uh, you know, and part of the reason we did it was to make sure we could take care of our our um, uh, your staff and yeah, our staff and, and maintain the building. Yeah, I, for instance, I'm not touching it because otherwise I wouldn't be able to apply mm -hmm. through for motor doc. For motor doc, yeah. So um, we were able to take care of that and help people make it through this period independent contractors which is basically how we handle yeah, personal all, trainers all here. right right and and the idea especially here in illinois where it's pro independent contractors and everybody else under the cares act the uh federal government provided money for unemployment mm -hmm. okay so it was it wasn't meant to put them on unemployment what it, what it meant was as a means to get money to those folks that was through the, the unemployment office. Because the CARES Act was designed to, when the country basically shut down, to help sure people could buy food, stay yeah. indoors, and you know have some semblance of a life while under quote-unquote quarantine or lockdown or whatever right. you feel so, like. Right. So, so the idea was through like the IRS um, Thing what they mm -hmm. the reason they did that twelve hundred you know the, the, the stimulus amount, the stimulus package I, I remain unstimulated by the way <laughs> oh, me too of course but but the 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 yeah, the stim package <laughs> hmm. okay so anyways was uh, was this is getting demonetized so fast yeah, a a route <laughs> no one's paying attention to our YouTube no. videos so they probably won't get demonetized yeah, not too worried about it so it was a route to get funds directly to people with an existing system that they thought was functioning. Right. Functioning. And notice I said thought was functioning. Thought wrong. Bogus, yeah, so, bullshit. so same thing with uh, with state unemployment services. The same thing was supposed to happen for companies that were shut down. It was the easiest method of getting the funds to them. Illinois, sure. not doing it. And apparently, um, you know, who knows what the effort is or anything else. So we reached out to the independent contractor and said, "We're going to go ahead and apply for this loan. Mm -hmm. um, if you receive, if we receive the funding and we've used your information, you cannot apply for unemployment right. until after right. the eight-week period." Right. So it doesn't mean they're eliminated from it; just means for that period of time. Sure. Got it. So, okay. um, 
it's it's apply for everything to see what happens. So we did get it. As a matter of fact, MotorDoc, uh, we went the next step, and uh, 2XL literally fell on the same day that they ran out of money. So we were we were. We were sitting there, did we get it? Did we not get it? Uh, but we had signed everything. It was all done. We were just waiting, and then it showed up. Uh, so, Hooray. Yeah. So, and, and for those who use lifter math, uh, it literally only covered the salaries for, for two paychecks, and uh, the 25% allowable covers, I think, the light and gas bill. Right. And that's it. So yeah, it's, because it's PPP not, is really it's meant not a windfall. Right, <laughs> PPP right. is really meant for the employees and independent contractors. It's not yep. necessarily meant for the business to, itself. To prop the business up, per se. Right. That's really more the SBA loans, which right. it seems like no one's gotten any. Or what was the other well, thing? The EIDL, I think it's yeah, called? Yeah, the EIDL, mm -hmm. um, okay. which you still want to apply for. And that changed um, because that's called for in the Act as well. It's also being refunded, supposedly. And again, we won't know until it's actually voted on. Because there's a lot of weirdness going on right now. And, and I think people have a bad taste after this one was, I don't say pushed through too fast, but it was it was moved through very quickly. And, well, and, and once it hit, then there was all of a sudden these gray areas that popped up. Well, oh, yeah. and things and, like, and you know, Harvard got money and some, well, you know, yeah, Society for the Arts in New York got money. Yeah, but that, that college in Ohio didn't and basically has to close now. Yeah, and like yeah. I said, I showed you the, the document, which is about uh, two mm -hmm. sides per page, small print, 300 uh, 335 pages. pages. Yep. And one-third of those pages are all of that. Mm -hmm. Pork. Yeah, it's it's all the Pork. deals that had to be made to get, <laughs> to get votes. Yeah. Right. Okay, so, right. so basically, representatives use any emergency to mm -hmm. push through their agenda. How about just any legislation in general? Yeah, I mean, this <laughs> is oh, this like... Is, this, this actually is not as bad as some I've seen. I mean... If you want, if you want to to stop a piece of legislation, you put in a poison pill. <laughs> sure. So you know, oh my gosh, so and so held up this legislation. No, so and so didn't want to provide a trillion dollars to your, you know, to to your to your save the frog fund. Yeah, exactly. So that that type of thing happens all the time. That's how it works, and uh, that's why we have or it's professional. How it, that's how it doesn't work. Well, right. It it. Up until now, That's how it like, operates well, works as a perhaps uh, subjective. subjective. Yeah. yeah. What I find interesting is people. We're, we're both online there. People are only now, because we're all directly involved in what's going on. People are only now going. These guys are terrible. Look what they're doing right now. No, look at what they have been doing. Look what has been this done. Is, this is not how everything's going. You're actually getting a crash course in civics. That you should have taken while you were in high school. There's, there's a reason why we have three branches. Mm -hmm. Sure. And part of the reason why we're dealing with some of the stuff we're dealing with now is one of those checks and balances, the judicial branch, is shut down. Hmm. Okay? So um, there's a lot of things going on that, that are very, very interesting. And, and some of those are subject to each person's opinion. Yes. And everybody knows my anger earlier. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, did the front door survive, Eric? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Um, so, 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 Potbelly and all those guys did fine. The funds should be there. Uh, here's my advice. How's that? Yep. yep. Okay. Um, what I've seen online on social media, I've made the huge mistake of trying to stay up to date on things. So, my social media is going onto the side, which is not... 
I highly recommend people don't do it. Um, <laughs> uh, but but I've no, I noticed things like people are getting upset about who got PPP loans and stuff like that. And then I asked a few of them, well, when you applied, well, I didn't bother because I knew this was going to happen. Well, so the same people that didn't vote and then get mad about who's in office. I, I'm allowed to curse on this, right? Fuck yeah, you are. So fuck you. Um, if I, was, you were- I was editing an episode <laughs> earlier today, and it was right when Bane said, fuck. And I'm like, Jacob, that's why you can't listen to Strength and Anger. And I had to put my so, headphones on. Because Mr. Bane so, likes to say fuck. So where I get angry is when people make huge claims or accuse people or say they're going to they want to see businesses shut down or violence performed against people yet they don't do anything and then they complain that somebody got something that they were too freaking lazy to do themselves say it the way you wanted to say it Howard. <laughs> no say it the way you want to say it oh yeah some people are learning about me right now aren't they <laughs> so um so anyways you know it's not that hard to apply. They literally stripped everything out of it. So, oh, yeah. So when, when I went in to apply, it, there's four pages. So if you want to practice, you go to the SBA website. As soon as they reopen this section, they shut it down because of a cybersecurity issue, by the way. <laughs> hey Woo! Uh, so anyways. Um, Which, if you listen to our previous episode, you know that Howard also sat on a cybersecurity congressional subcommittee yeah. and talked about how Target's uh, credit card system got hacked through their HVAC system. Yes. So uh, anyways, um, and, and still sit on the government relations committee related to that. So I pay attention to stuff like that. And you really got to watch for stuff. First, there's a lot of ads out there. You know, I'm a lawyer, come to see me and I'll get you your PPP. Wrong. And all these other things, and they want a percentage of it. Because 25% is allowed to be used for rent and other things. Not a percentage of it can go to those people. Hmm. If it does, you have to pay 1% against that portion of the loan. Mm -hmm. So any portion of the loan not used for what it's designated for has to be paid back within two years. Mm. So if you have a fairly large loan, mm-hmm. it's only 1%, thank goodness, but you have to pay it back. In two years. Yeah. I mean, you have Starting to pay back 101% or whatever. I yeah. mean, versus the so, rest of it can theoretically be forgiven. Like you way, don't have to pay it back. The amount correct? you're allowed to, to receive mm-hmm. is two and a half times. Your monthly expenses. No. No. Two and a half times your Paychecks, monthly payroll, monthly payroll. Okay, so okay. so um, your W twos, ten ninety nines, and K ones mm-hmm. or Schedule Cs okay. can all be applied. Okay, that's it. So off of the prior year, or off if depending on what it is, up to um, February twentieth of. And so you're going off either your taxes you've already filed this year or previous year's tax. Yeah, returns. And the good news is on Schedule C because everything was was moved out to July. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be filed taxes. Right. It could but, be previous but, years. But you will be audited on that. Oh, and trust after. me, y'all are getting audited this year. Oh, Everybody's yeah. getting audited this year. Especially people who receive it. They're, they're, they, um, are and there going to be enough IRS agents out there to do it? Uh, it won't be just uh, It's actually they put it down on the banks. Yeah. IRS, not as afraid of the banks. Ah. Okay, and by the way, be, the, being audited is no the, fun. The bank, the banks. Oh yeah, I, uh, yeah. We've we've uh, we have. <laughs> um, so uh, you want to talk about anger? We could go into that another time. Oh, yeah. we certainly can. Oh, we, yeah. <laughs> well, we could we could both share stories. Oh, it'd be fun. Anyway. Uh, so um, 
Oh, but Howard, was there anything unique you did when you applied for the 2XL loan or no. the motor dock okay, loan? Okay, so, so um, 2XL. Because I think that's what people are asking. If we got a loan, which I think, is it going to go under this next one? Or did we get it under, okay, the, so, did we get it under the previous no, one? No, no, we got it under the previous one. 2XL Understood. got it under the previous one. And here's what I did. Um, as soon as I knew about it and I had read the act and I understood it, I went to the SBA website. Mm-hmm. They had a practice. They Basically, it was a set of four pages that said, here's the questions you're going to be asked that we're requiring of the banks. Okay. Get all these ready. You are not required to provide this particular type of information. And they did that because there's scammers out there contacting people. Mm-hmm. And I've had a number of them contact me. Um, saying, oh, we can, you know, we're your bank and we can get, can you just need to provide us all of your, uh, you know, personally identifiable information, your social security number, your business ID number and all this other. Wrong. No, you have to initiate it. There are some problems with that, but we'll get into that in a sec. So um, when we went in, I went exactly like they said. So uh, for Bank of America, it was four pages for um, fifth, third, it was six pages. And in the end, there's some questions. They ask some specific information about your business, who the partners are, if there's partners. Uh, everybody has to be associated with it. Um, and the, I think it took me all of five minutes to fill it out. Mm-hmm. And I think a key to that is in both cases, you went to the banks that the businesses currently bank with. Yes. You, didn't, you didn't go to a separate bank or... Right. You didn't go to a big bank. You just went to the bank you currently, your businesses are with. Right. But as of this morning, um, I received the email from Square mm-hmm. that we could have applied now because uh, Square has been allowed to, anybody that's done business with them over the last year. Oh, to act, to act as a bank. Um, they And they say you can apply through them and your bank, but you can only accept one. Got it. So we could have gone that direction if we didn't take the first direction. And there are a lot of people that... Use Square yeah, for that's a huge. You know, that, so, so pay attention, and and a big part of the reauthorization or the refunding. Two things. One is they made no changes to the rules, so you're going to see a lot of people bitching about the big chains and everything big, else. Big chains. Yeah, like the hotels really didn't do a lot, and they were fully able to. And they may now, uh, because you could guess that the they, hotel they industry is going to be ravaged. Won't. I said they may, they may not, but they may. If, if I was a business owner and I was one, part of one of these businesses, you better believe I would. It's perfectly within the rules. It's within the rules, and you but have a much larger staff. To, to... Then it comes down to a PR issue. So literally, what the news did, what the news did, folks, was they demonized, they demonized franchisees. Right, because who they... are small fucking business owners. You got it. So, Sorry, um, that one gets me hot. That's, that's what lit me up because I know plenty of franchisees. I know that on top of the normal business costs, they have to pay a percentage of everything they make. Right. Back to the Haven't been involved company. in a franchise before. It's a decent percentage. Yeah, it's Whether not you, small. You and, it's, not, and, it, and it's not based on profit. No, it's, it's based top on. Line. Right. It, it doesn't because I worked in a franchise yep. that made no money. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how much money you make. It, you there's, know, it, there's benefits to it. But oh, like, it, certainly, so, yeah. So, it's ba- it's basically like the mafia. Like, hey, if you made, if you had any money come in, we're getting ours. So, anyways, <laughs> right. let, let, you know what? Let me skip all that, and and I'm going to make this very direct. Okay, so when we applied, I went on, I filled out the form. Then you wait. Okay, Hurry so Bank wait. of America, I got an email receipt right away that told me I did it. Um, fifth third, 
Didn't hear from them for 10 days. And I was starting D- to Didn't make a squirm at all, say, did it? Hey, did my application go through? I have no re-feedback. Well, their system didn't allow for it. Then I got a direct phone call from somebody who was able to provide the identifiable information. Mm-hmm. And I also received an email from them at the same time to let me know that this person, because everything I received, because they're all working from home, right, um, came through as, um, is this real? Is it, it a could fake? be suspicious? Yeah, the, I mean, Bank of America. I got something from some off-brand email, mm-hmm. and and uh, I literally because you cannot call the banks and ask. Yeah, they won't. There. They won't respond to any questions. Right. So uh, I got some off-brand things. So uh, it took me a little bit to investigate and verify that it was real. Okay. Right. I will admit that the emails we got from Fifth Third, they didn't look or have the same emails as normal Fifth no. Third emails. No, they, they were suspicious. So, mm-hmm. they, they were. So with, you know, uh, I had to do a little research to verify those were real. So, so if you are in active working with your small bank, Things will be a little strange. It doesn't hurt to find out. The small banks will actually work directly with you mm-hmm. and will answer questions. Because uh, with Fifth Third, well, things were going on and I had questions. I was emailing the individual back and he was responding immediately. Nice. Yeah, we actually talked on the phone. I think each of you and I talked yeah. on the phone with our rep mm-hmm. probably at least twice each. And you probably more than me. Yeah, and I expect the same thing will happen with Bank of America when that gets to that point. Uh, if they determine that I'm qualified for it. Mm-hmm. Sure. So that's that's the big thing. So by the time they contact you, they've already reviewed your information. They've already done some background checks. They right. requested additional information because uh, of the way my business was structured in the past. Mm-hmm. So it, there's some really funky stuff there. They're a, little er- they're a little behind on the stuff. So I had to provide paperwork for something that doesn't exist. Right. It doesn't exist anymore. So anyways... Um, We'll see what happens there, but but we two XL we, we were able to do it, folks. If if you are wondering and you want to help your your small gym, or you have employees of that gym, um, you know, don't be shy. Uh, there's no person. You don't have to do a personal guarantee, which means you don't put your house or anything else at risk, which you normally do Huge. with this type of loan. Yeah, first, um, I mean, because when you're, you're taking out a small, when yeah. you're taking out a small business loan, yeah, unless you're buying something with physical value, like you're buying a bunch of equipment or yeah, right. you're buying a building or whatever, like what's the guarantee for that? What are they going to take? Your it's a self guarantee, right? right. Yeah, so, exactly. So personal guarantee means if I'm an LLC or a corporation or something that that gives me certain protections financially. Mm-hmm. So if I can, I could say bankrupt that company, but still my personally not bankrupt. Right, right. Okay. I, I don't think some people understand exactly how loans work, though. Yeah, so, yeah, just, that's, so that's a whole different class we'd have to go into. I know. I just guarantee. If I do a personal guarantee, what's now done is I have bypassed that protection, mm-hmm. and they can come after my personal. Right, which is supposed items. to give the bank the warm and fuzzies that you're going to pay back the loan. Essentially, yeah, it, it gives right. them a layer yeah. of protection. Well, well, an SBA loan goes okay. The federal government is backing it. Right, right. That's okay. that's who's the. Yeah, that's who's the the, the cosigner basically in this case. Yeah, right. And so, well, so, and we're not even going to pay theoretically under the PPP grant, loan. Yeah. It essentially becomes a grant anyway, and the government yeah. is is paying them back. And, right. and by the way, folks, I'm I'm not really doing this in in the gray or in the in, in the weird space. And and I always advise people go get advice, especially go to the SBA website, which gives details even on changes. Um, yeah, we're we're glossing over 330 pages in. 
35 minutes. But, but I've also been sitting in, like, because uh, MotorDoc's a veteran-owned small business. Yep. Uh, I've been sitting in all the VA training courses mm-hmm. on this and everything else. So the guidance I'm giving you is do it. Just just If you can legally do it and you're not committing fraud and your business has been in place before February, I think it was February 15th or 20th. So basically, if you were in business prior to this year, yep. you have access to it. If you are, an, if you are uh, just an independent contractor and you're not seeing their state providing that you have a choice. You can apply for both. You can turn it down before the money's actually received. With us, we even put in the bank information. So before we even knew we were approved, it showed up in the bank account. Right. So um, and there's still paperwork that has to come to us even. Right. So uh, uh, there, the good news is uh, the banks cannot decide what the terms are. The terms are blanket across everybody. Right. Okay, so it's actually SBA funds coming through the bank. Uh, so the um, the other one you mentioned was the um, I uh, da, 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 da. the emergency yeah so um, the I, EIDL yeah, yeah I'm getting my words backwards again I mean there's a lot of acronyms <laughs> yeah, going through there's a lot I, yes it was I've been I've been out of the navy a long time acronyms are terrible but the EIDL okay so that was also but that's direct from the from um, the SBA. Okay, so when we applied, we also had to identify if we received an EIDL. That does not discourage anything. What it means is um, if we had received EIDL money, and I believe under the new one, we have to identify if we've applied for it, uh, that um, they will add that to the total loan. Got it. And and, um, up to 10,000, up to 10,000 is forgivable. However, because um, everybody and their brother and sister and cousin and everything else couple dead ants applied for eidls whether they were valid or not and got funding they um stripped that funding really fast right i I heard it was a thousand per employee correct it it changed it was originally ten thousand dollars forgivable grant plus you would be contacted by your bank for an additional amount that would run between three and four and a half percent. I don't know what the percentage en- ended up with. I haven't looked uh, today. So um, there's still more, and that would be up to so many million dollars. I think it was three or ten million dollars. Okay. That would that could go out to thirty years. Gotcha. Oh, okay. So it, it's actually a significant opportunity, and what that is is to go in and help you do the things you would have been able to do if you were making money during that period of time. Right. So that one, the first one, is to help the employees. The EIDL is to help your business. Right. Gotcha. Pay your okay. rent, utilities, and, and, and operate. Operate. Yeah. So so you'd be receiving money as if you were operating with $10,000 of that forgivable. The amount immediately distributed uh, was reduced from that 10000 which would just magically appear in your bank, if you're a major corporation, I guess. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Uh, it, it's first come, first serve. We were one of the first, and, and it went so fast, we didn't see anything. Wow. Right. Um, so uh, we've applied. Uh, it's been reduced, and because we were one of the first, we have to reapply and go to the back of the line. <laughs> <laughs> womp womp. Do you, yeah. for, do you foresee anything else coming for small businesses? Uh, there are. They're, they're bridge loans, mm-hmm. and the, they're also straight SBA loans in which they are reducing the steps necessary to get them. Uh, they're doing a lot of like having the paperwork and the the backup for the stuff 
basically coming after the funding, correct? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. what a lot so, of it's so called. So a lot of the things that you would normally do, well, for, for the CARES Act-based loans, which include the EIDL, the bridge loans, which are up to 25000 mm-hmm. and they carry a higher percentage, mm-hmm. and they do have to be paid back, um, and the payment, uh, the, uh, the Paycheck Protection Program, and there are a whole slew of other programs, right? But but that's outside of our group. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, with the uh, those three are are the primary in which you self certify. Right. The idea is to rapidly get the money out there because mm-hmm. it, you know we haven't had to. I don't. Yeah, we've never had to take a loan for two XL. So um, huh? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, organic growth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Accidental organic growth. But anyways, um, just kidding. So uh, you know, we haven't had to worry about that. But normally, um, I've been in I've been in situations where I have had to borrow as a business. It's not something where I ask for money on Thursday and get it on Friday. Right. You're usually talking about producing information, having. An entire business plan. It's a two to six week process at minimum usually. Well, after you've built out your business plan, showing why you needed the money. What you're going to use it for, how they're going to return on that investment. I asked for a loan a few years ago and and I said it's to buy materials, um, you know, against next year. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, you've only been, because success by design, I ceased it as an operation in May of... of, uh, of 2015 and renamed it, mm-hmm. which gave mm-hmm. me a new EIN. And they looked at that and said, well, you've only been in business for two years. Oh, gotcha. Mm, and gotcha. they won't touch you unless you've been in business three to five years. Right. Sure. And and your certain rating, you know, business uh, credit comes into play. So sure. I had really good business credit. And I was like, well, why can't I? And they said, well, because you haven't been in business long enough. I've been in business since 2001. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you have, yeah. That business shut down, the new business came about. So right. there's a whole lot of things that go with that. So this this basically took that, that six to eight week actually process okay. um, and com- dropped it down into um, Three to days. four days, yeah. I mean, it's well, nothing. Days. Okay. They, they promised 10 days. Now, yes, if you watch the evening stuff, you would hear that, that uh, it goes the other way. But the biggest the biggest thing is... It's not that difficult to apply. You just go to your bank. They usually have a link right on their front page. If you've been going to a specific bank, apply there. If you get the opportunity, you are allowed to apply across multiple directions. So mm-hmm. um, what they did this time is $60 billion of the new one were set aside for small banks. So a lot of banks that weren't able to uh, provide the funding will now. So a lot of larger banks that had the largest amount of funding, mm-hmm. basically um, the feedback I got was they, they were they were doing they were kind of splitting up large corporations where they could hit the most people right and get the most pay, uh, get the most people employed or kept employed. Sure. yeah, were kind of targeted first. Because which there's, I mean, there's part of their great. There's, there's that's their, that's their some great intelligence great. to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there, I mean, there got a lot of hate on Ruth Chris and other some of those others. Right. But in the same token, when you hit one, you know, group of franchised restaurants, you're able to get 
a whole group of people that are able to continue to be employed. And yeah. I mean, servers they, right now are not doing and anything. They, and they really need that money because generally they don't make a ton anyway. And, and right, that's exactly. actually where the franchise came as a benefit because I guarantee, I'm making an assumption here, folks, but I pretty much guarantee that those companies, lawyers and CPAs and uh, bank mm-hmm. um, contacts, we're all in play to help the franchisees. Right. No doubt. Well, I mean, because it's in the fran- it's in corporate's yeah. interest to keep their franchises in business. Yeah. Because if there's no franchises to pay the franchisee fee, there's no corporations. Exactly. So the solution to that, everybody thought, oh my gosh, you know, they're gonna they're gonna put something in. They still may. I don't. I haven't. They, unlike past times where they were having all of their debates and stuff, it really hasn't been followed on the news, and I haven't bothered watching the congressional news channel so um yeah uh yeah it just it would just tick me off and it's boring anyways they're only allowing so many people in the room at a time sure sure um and it's going to take all night uh from what i understand because they're only allowing 10 at a time in the room to vote wow and that's wow that's a lot of people to vote in the house yes but yeah and and i guarantee trump trump's not going to hold back unless there's something weird now if they make a major change and it has to go back to the senate sure and if they make any changes take anything then it goes back again right the other day i said oh my gosh they'd already uh, passed well uh hr 266 which is the reauthorization actually was a tax um bill that they knew wasn't going to make it so they just stripped all the wording mm. out and they added the new stuff gotcha so ah. it was already on the docket and that one had already been passed by the house so when i went to congress.gov it looked like it had already passed the house and was had just passed the senate and was about to go to the president the president for signature right whereas in reality they had to send it back to the house in order to have it voted on gotcha. so if they make any changes then it has to go back to the senate <laughs> so like um the first one the cares act that went back and forth a few times. Yeah, and that's sure. when people started losing their mind because they, they, they we needed it now. We need it right now. Yeah, and, right. and you have to remember, I mean, pretty perfectly honest, it's been a month and a half. Yeah. Right. You know, and... and uh, I know, it seems like everything's blurring together right now. But. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, and, and, and the whole shutdown thing, I couldn't believe it when I was... Dr- I was literally driving out of Connecticut when they announced New York, Connecticut, and... Uh, New Jersey. New Jersey uh, under the stay-at-home order. So, right. no, Illinois was not second. They were like fifth, sixth, somewhere. Whatever, down. still top ten. Yeah, top ten, yes. I'll give them that. But uh, in any case. Fine. Not ten. In any case, there's no reason not to go for, for these loans. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a small business, if you're a gym, they will definitely help. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, we took 25% of it and, put it, and we're putting it up against uh, – the bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of important things is make sure you're following the rules. When you get it in, it's not a windfall. You cannot turn around and throw the money at people or keep the money. Right. Uh, if you if you have borrowed money against somebody's 1099 or something like that, you're now denying them the ability to get unemployment. And you better believe the, ju- the, the courts are shut down right now. No judge is going to let you pass there, that. There's already a growing line of COVID-related cases being put in front of lawyers to take in front of courts. Right. Right. Um, so you better believe the courts are going to be busy when this is all done. So you want to make sure. So, for instance, we receive the funds, and the people receiving it are receiving it at the routine time that they would normally receive it mm-hmm. in a method that we're already using to show um, standard operating procedure yes right if we change from that 
then now it looks murky. Then it gets really murky. Right. Right. Okay. So and it's based upon last year, basically. Right. 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 Anything Let's, else of note, Howard? That's or I a think lot, man. <laughs> it, it is a lot. Um, well, I will say, um, you know, part two uh, XL. Eric and I discussed this, right? So. A big part of what we believe in is making sure that our industry survives. Uh, yes. if, if you have questions about what we did in order to move forward with that, because it really wasn't much, we applied for it. We got a call back, and I had all the paperwork ready. Yeah, you got to have your previous year's taxes and paperwork yep. ready. Yep. Don't leave things till the next day or right. a few hours later. Do you it want immediately. To do it yep. immediately because do it now. literally it's first come, first serve. Um, in, in most cases. So uh, you want to make sure, uh, look at other funding methods uh, such as your local banks that, mm-hmm. that you don't bank with. Um, they should be loosening that up. Okay, the, the, all the banks went by their rules, which left a lot of people out. But feel free to reach out. Um, you know, General at 2XL Powerlifting comes to both Eric and I. Yep. Uh, so, so you can get to that right from 2xlpowerlifting.com. Uh, this is not something we're charging for. We're not, because this is not legal advice we're providing, disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will we will tell you the story of how we did it, right. which may help you. We'll just give you our input. Yeah, yep. which may exactly. help you get there. So we're not consulting. Uh, we'll answer questions. Yep. Uh, that's really important. But it's, it's, <laughs> to, our, it's to our advantage yes. that... Small gyms, powerlifting gyms, all across the nation stay open. Stay open because, exactly. I mean, obviously we have a gym of ourselves here, but we run powerlifting meets, mm-hmm. which well, is a, a 2XL big, is an event company. Right. And we want people lifting in gyms. We want yeah. people to be able to come to our meets. Exactly. We, we can't take everybody here lifting at our gym. Not everybody lives close to Lombard. Shoot, not everyone lives in Illinois that come to our meets. Right. So we would like to see the small mom and pop powerlifting gym survive. And, and if this can, if a, if a small line of credit can help, then, yeah. um, you know, we hope that you can get on that. And the rapid rise of powerlifting, we, we would like to see continue when all this is done. And we know people are training at home and, and you know, can't prove that. You can <laughs> <laughs> for Same. now. Yeah. For now. Who knows? Or, or, you know, many, many small business owners still have access to their own facilities, but you know, technically, we're not supposed to be having team training and the like. Yep. <laughs> so, um, well, I think that that probably we, sums we want, it up, we Howard. Want to see everything in the end. Yep. So, with that, um, yep. Uh, again, feel free. Uh, I promise not to be long-winded in my answers. To be very short email responses. <laughs> Good, because I've had to pee for like forty-five minutes, man. <laughs> I, I saw that. Why do you think I keep talking? <laughs> well, I, I kept encouraging you too, so I kept it going. But I, you know, I you know I was angry when I came in the room. I, I'm being, you know, <laughs> stay 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 angry, Howard. We love you, man. Yeah, thanks so much for sitting down and not only telling the story about uh, republishing the Ten Commandments of Powerlifting, but giving some input on some current events. We appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Well, okay, Mr. Bain. There was uh, quite the interview with Howard Penrose. Yeah, we, we got some strength. We got some, definitely got some anger in there. We didn't even actually see half the anger. Oh, no, no. Oh, my gosh. We had that camera going before. He's way, way angry. Than, we tried to keep because we really wanted to talk about the PPP loans just right. because that's related to our industry. That's related to you know how independent contractors and trainers can get paid and how businesses hopefully can stay afloat. Yeah. Um, but there's obviously – a ton of issues surrounding the quarantine and the the, the sheltered home orders. Yeah, I really like. I've thought I put some thought into this. 
I really don't want to do a COVID-19 episode no. outside of the, Start. well, outside of the one we did on the Corona classic. Yeah. I don't want to do another episode on it and for at least until we all have some perspective. One it's going to be like a year after it's done. At yeah. Least. We can look back on it and have some perspective and, and look back on what happened and mm -hmm. the implications on powerlifting. I think that's a good episode to do eventually. Correct. I don't want to do things in the midst of it. Just like I really don't like doing preview episodes myself. Sure. Just because the day that whatever you're previewing happens, that that episode has aged out. Correct. Now, granted, some of this PPP loan stuff is going to age out as well, but... If somebody listens to this later, they could still hear about what, you know, what was happening in the mist and, and how things were going on. Right. The overall COVID-19, you know, happening in the United States, mm -hmm. I really... The current occasion the world took. Right. I, I want to get a little bit more perspective on it before we talk about it. A, mm -hmm. B, you know, we've already probably talked about it more in this episode than would be my preference just because... Sure. That's all everyone is talking and thinking about, and mm -hmm. it's... It's like, I want to give people an escape from that. Talk about some other things. No, I agree. And, you know, I was thinking about it on the way down here, uh, you know, to come meet up and, and like, what do you, like, really, what do you talk about? Right. When, when, if you're going to do a, an episode on it, like there's no end in sight, it's seemingly hopeless. Like there, there's so many things now. And, and I was thinking about this, you know, as I'm coming down, like, how can we just cut through all that bullshit? I just don't think we can yet. Right, exactly. Because there's, there's nothing to We don't know what's going to happen yet. Right. We and, know what's happened, mm -hmm. but y you, know, you can't write a history book of World War II the day the war ends. Yeah, you can't do it or, on D-Day. You can't even do it on, right now, you can't do it on D-Day. Like right, you can't do it on D-Day. You, you don't have enough perspective to know right. the implications of what some of those events are. Maybe today will end up being a, a woolly, insignificant day Could be. in the grand scheme. I don't know but we don't have the perspective yet. No, we don't. So, but yeah, interesting stuff from Howard mm -hmm. on, uh, you know, the history of how he got to publish the 10 commandments of powerlifting. Yeah. You know, I was trying to egg some of the things out of, pull it out of him. He didn't make any money on the 10 commandments of powerlifting. He lost money. Oh yeah. He did it as, as he talked about, he did it to preserve the legacy of Ernie Franz to preserve the 10 commandments of powerlifting mm -hmm. and to, to help Ernie Franz earn some money. Yeah. The guy's been, Fort, a, guy's been a business owner basically his whole life. And so like, right. when you stop being able to own the business, you, you kind of lose your ability to make an income. And he, unfortunately, I'm not going to say he's a bad money manager, but I would say through the course of his business and his life, he's spent the money he's made. Now, right. he, it's not like Ernie's living in the, the poorhouse or anything like that, but he didn't take a, a huge chunk of cash and throw it into right. you know the stock market and live off the interest. You know? Right. He was the type of business owner that reinvested it into the company. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, at the end of Franz Jim, he wasn't able to take, you know, the equity he'd built up with that name and sell it. Because right. most business owners of a small business like that, you know, the way that they retire is they sell the business. Right. There was nothing to sell at the end of Franz Jim, unfortunately. Right. Um, he did sell the WPC. Yeah. However, which we can talk about uh, next week. We can. Because uh, we, we, are, can. we are going to chat with the WPC CEO mm -hmm. with the uh, original owner of the original WPO. Yep. And I would say a somewhat controversial figure, Bane, Karen Kidder. That's what I've been told by some other folks. Do, a, do yeah. a Google search, Bane, of Karen Kidder powerlifting. Yep. And, uh, you know, I'm, I like. I'm going to see some shit from what I'm guessing. 
Yeah, and a lot of it is gone. You know, Powerlifting Watch is one of those websites where, because it's still out there, mm-hmm. it preserves some of that old message board craziness. Right. It's just like if you have a Facebook argument, like that's going to be gone because like someone might delete it or it's just sure. how like you're going to scroll down you, somebody's. You put, you put your profile on hold and all you, all the comments are gone. Yeah, and like you're going to scroll through somebody's thing to try to find you know an argument you had with them three years ago. And you're never going to find it. Screenshots live forever. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that would be all though. Yep. Versus like you know somebody posts an article or a website. Yep. That's going to be there. But there's some controversial things with Karen. I mean, him buying the WPC was controversial, and yeah, you know we've talked a couple times about the LB Baker Jim Roush split. Yes. That was directly related. And I'm not saying Karen necessarily did anything wrong in that case. I think maybe he can get into that a little bit. Uh, but what I really want to talk to Karen about is the history of the original WPL. Well, right. I, 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 we're going to talk about his history in powerlifting because he was an impressive powerlifter. Sure. Um, you know, was the first Floridian to squat 1,000 pounds, I think he claims. There you go. Um, he, uh, he bought the WPC. He kept the APF going after Ernie Franz uh, kind of handed it off. Mm-hmm. And Amy Jackson would tell you there were certain times when – Although the APF is a non-for-profit, that doesn't mean that they can't generate profit to keep themselves running. Right. And at a certain point, if expenses are greater than income, it will you know, cease to be an organization. Right. So he kept the APF running at certain times when uh, there were some major issues there. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's an interesting person to talk to. We're also going to have uh, another extra. Which Oh, yeah, baby. I think let's just keep that one a secret, Bane. Yeah. Th- this one, people are going to be fired up by this one. We'll exciting. have another extra dropping sometime after this episode drops yep. um, that we're going to record next week. And I think it's going to be one that uh, Bane's going to fanboy out over. I Oh, my gosh. And yeah. I, it, it's someone who is, I think, one of the smartest minds in powerlifting. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- this is a person who was a – I would consider them one of the game changers in the sport and and well, continues to be. Sure. I mean, but there's a lot of really good lifters out there. That oh, sure. That doesn't mean necess- – I mean, as – who is it? Anthony Laveria said. Yeah. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of dumb, strong people. There are. This is not one of them. No. This is – and that's this why I say – This a strong and very intelligent person. Oh, yeah. So, very, very exciting. So with that, this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anger.